Welcome to episode 111 of the Grip Strip Podcast. Dale wins again. Kai Ocho, uh, the number one car of uh, Ross Chastain, uh, took a win uh, last lap, last few thousand feet of the race. He goes and gets a second win of the 2022 Cup Series season. Um, We'll get into that here amongst many racing series and the NFL Draft. Um, on this episode. My name is Philip Matthew. I'm here with my co-host, Josh Refine. What's going on, man? Hey, I'm doing great, Phil. We had a great weekend of racing in Talladega. Uh, F1 was okay-ish at Imola, depending on who you're a fan of, but you know, there was a lot of action that went on. And then, of course, you know, we got a lot to talk about tonight with all that racing. And then, of course, you mentioned NFL Draft. You know, Jacksonville Jaguars have the number one pick overall once again. We'll see which direction they go in this time. That's uh, a little bit more... Uh, undetermined this time of who they could go not quite as straight and narrow like trevor lawrence uh but you know now we have a couple of choices so um exciting weekend of sports uh coming up with that and then you know all the rest of the racing that we got to talk about uh tonight on the show yeah you got based on bulky uh four guys that are in play for the number one overall pick and rumors that uh they may want to move back but Considering what the draft is, there really isn't any value on that. On the Niners side, there's the Debo Samuel saga, which just adds to how horrendous of an offseason the Niners have had. Um, but nothing is coming of that. They're not going to trade him. So Debo can cry. Um, I, I love him. He's a great player. Um, but there's better ways to basically say, I want more money um, and I want a new contract. Um, you don't have to go scorched earth. Um, at least he's not Ben Simmons. Uh, but that's, that's something for later. We'll talk about that in the NFL, uh, part of the show here later on. So stay tuned for that cup and Xfinity at Talladega go through all that. And all the wreck race cars might get a little mention about some of the RG bargy that went on in the Arca farce. Um, the, uh, pot, Parmigiano Reggiano Grand Prix, um, which saw uh, Fish Lips uh, dominate the weekend, and Charles Leclerc uh, look uh, pretty average and make a pretty weak mistake while his teammate, for the second week in a row, second race in a row, had a horrible weekend. And Carlos Sainz, after getting a, a extension, getting all that, and and Lewis Hamilton got lapped and uh, was thirteenth. So that was pretty terrible for people like me who are fans of his. The uh, roundup will be jam-packed this week. We got MotoGP, Moto2. They were in Portugal last week. They'll be in Jerez this week. F2 and F3 at Imola. World Superbikes were at Assen. Rally Croatia. Road Atlanta hosted Moto America. British touring cars were at Donington for the first race of the year. NHRA raced at uh, Houston Raceway Park for the last time. Um, uh, Tony Stewart was happy about at least one of the cars there. Um, IMSA will be racing this weekend at Laguna Seca for the first uh, first uh, proper uh, sprint race. The supercars will be back at Barbagello or Wanneroo Raceway uh, this weekend for a night uh night race and uh formula e will be running the monaco e for the first time in a few years so that'll be interesting cool 
I think they'll be using the vast majority of the circuit too, so it'll actually be nice. And then DTM will be uh, coming out at uh, the Algarve here um, to start their season, I believe. And then, or in their first couple of races, uh, Barber, Baba for the Indy cars here as a precursor to the month of May, a busy month of May for the Indy car series and what will, of course, lead to the Indianapolis 500. One of the uh, standout races on the calendar these days is the Barber race. Joseph Newgarden, his second home track, has dominated there over the years. It's been a Penske track in general, too. Well, what IndyCar track isn't a Penske track, to be honest. But we'll preview that. Last year's winner was the, is the defending series champion in Alex Pelot. It was his first career win. We'll do triple header at Dover Motor Speedway. That makes me nauseous. Um, so now you have the stupid SMI rules, so you can't bring crap, bring stuff in, overpriced uh, concessions, and the whole thing that comes with SMI. Um, they put out a thing about selling tickets for 2023. I figure by so they're going to make it look like they're not going to get rid of the race, but by the by 2024, that race is probably going to go to Nashville Fairgrounds. Um, it won't be next year. It'll just be the following year. That's all they're doing with that typical SMI. Um, but we'll see what happens. The next-gen car, there's a lot of hope, at least with the next-gen car, for the racing at uh, Dover. So we'll see what happens with that after the typical shit that you see at Talladega, where they wreck 50% of the field um, per you know Tony Stewart you know what he he says what nascar and the fans want which is true when you consider the most of the fan base they seem to to answer to uh we'll do nfl draft talk of course uh the jacksonville jaguars josh's team have a big pick to make and they need to hit on it and they don't really have a gm that's great at it they have a coach that can win but i'm not so sure about the gm they probably would have had byron leftwich and they could have made a better pick if they had a better GM, but that's beside the point. We'll see what they do there. Uh, the fall brawl league is back. We got in. I've been checking on Yahoo. I've always wanted to get within like that first thousand teams signed up or re up. So we did. So I'm really happy about it. I like the number that we are. Our, our league number like is eight Oh four or four, like eight, like, like eight 48 or something like that. Something there are the eights and the fours and the two, like, it's the numerology. I'm liking it. It's um, it's it's weird. It's a good set of numbers there, and yeah, your boy here is going to try and win this league this year. So, uh, better watch out for me. Well, I mean, you've been there literally two years. You've you're been in the playoffs. You've been right there. Um, Vic is the only reason why you probably didn't win it. Um, Vic is the main reason why none of us were able to because he lived on the waiver wire. Uh, fucking tool. Um, God love him, but, um, he's one of my best friends, but I can say that I don't care. Guy literally sat on the waiver wire all day and he probably heard about other guys that nobody knew they existed. And he probably was finding out about the, their whole entire life story. It's what happens when you get married, I guess for us, uh, uh, bachelors, when you get married, one of the things you do is you spend more time playing fantasy football. Well, that's before he has kids. Then once he has kids then yeah, he's fucked. That's what Joe's problem is. He hasn't won since he's had 
kids. Um, and Wilson's kind of been on and off now since he's got since he's had his kids. So it's an advantage for us. Uh, we'll talk about that. Josh will do his sim segment. Of course, his boy Junebug was on the telecast this weekend, and that might have been the first Talladega race that I actually wanted to watch because he was on there and he did a, him and Mike joy did a great job. We'll get into that. But the fact is he won a couple days before flying up doing the Bobby Allison, except he didn't hit the catch fence. He just crossed the line backwards and won in a moon car race. And some guy named moon car looks like a typical inbred. Yeah. He looks, moonhead. Like, yeah. he looks like, he looks like a combination of like Ed barrier, Jeff green, and like somebody who would have one of those, MAGA memes uh, going on, and uh, they'd be sitting in their truck with the sunglasses. Uh, he looks like that typical one, uh, but he had a great call. I can't, I mean, whatever whatever his stereotype he looks like, but uh, he looks like 1990, 19, like he looks like a morph of Jason Keller and Jeff Green from like 1994. That's what that guy looks like. And, and somebody who would be on uh, Moonshiners, yeah. That's that's literally what that guy looks like. But um, he was there. He announced it. Junebug went across the line, nose ass end first in the air, and the nose crossed the line. Um, that eighty-seven Monte Carlo had had the proper insurance on it, but and he got it out across the line. So that was a big start to his weekend. And that's where we will we will start. Talladega was um, typical you know, with lots of wrecking and whatever, but Ross Chastain, um, Armando's guy, Justin Marks and Armando's guy, the person that they wanted to bring to the team has now won his second career race, got to do his, did the, went and went through the roof hatch, did the watermelon smash. Uh, that thing was, it sound, they did a lot of details. Kelly Crandall, uh, one of the, good beat writers on the, in the sport did a, a deep dive on the watermelons or her Alex Andre of one of the, yeah, they both did like deep dives on this watermelon deal. Um, it was on its last leg. So it's a good thing he won. Um, and he sat there and he sits there and eats that thing while Regan Smithson interviewing him. You gotta love him. Uh, that's, that's per perfect product placement when you're a seventh generation, uh, watermelon farmer. But he had earlier in the race, he made a move that was probably questionable at best, uh, blocking, trying to stay on the lead lap, uh, could have caused a huge wreck. Um, but in the end, he got away with it, stayed, got back on the lead lap, and then from there was one of the best cars in the field, along with his teammate Daniel Suarez until he got wrecked. Um it was uh it was an interesting race to say the least. Eric Jones uh was somebody who definitely ran up front all day, led twenty five laps. wasn't the most laps led by any means, but you had multiple cars there. I mean, what is it? Uh, Suarez led twenty eight laps. So uh, the the what do you call track uh, house cars were up there. Uh, Larson led 32, Byron led 38. So the Hendrick duo were the ones, those two cars. And I'm thinking that, or Chastain, or I mean, Larson and Byron ran for, for speed in qualifying. And then 
Bowman and Elliott ran for setup and for a little more handling compared to what they usually would do, which all of them would would be up front. So now that's something that they're going to look at as we go to Atlanta in July for the next super speedway type race. And then of course, Daytona for the cutoff where in terms of qualifying and how they do things, that might be something to look at. But Chastain, second win of the year, Austin Dillon, second, Kyle Busch, third after back during that win at Bristol, Larson, fourth, Truex, fifth. He led, uh, he won both stages at the 500, didn't lead a lap yesterday, but gets a top five. Toyotas and Chevys really were dominant yesterday. Um, Eric Jones, sixth, had the chance to win that deal um, Latin and just um, wasn't able to close it, made the wrong move. Clyde in seventh, McDowell eighth, Bowman ninth. So three Hendrick cars in the top 10 and then like four Hendrick engines there as well. And then Kevin Harvick rounds out your top 10. Uh, Blaney was my pick to win in the fantasy game for Michael Sanders. Uh, finished 11th. He led 23 laps though. So, I mean, we'll get into some of the other people and some of the stuff that happened over the day, but Ross Chastain, Josh, uh, gets another win, solidifies himself in the playoff, and now him and Phil Surgeon, that whole entire Trackhouse team, they're really looking at, you know, the rest of the season, kind of setting themselves up to make a run in um, the playoffs while you have the big name dri- some of these big name drivers that are struggling don't have a win. Some of these teams have, you know, they may have a win, but they're not really running that well. They're running well, and they've been running well all year. So it's not, there's no shock anymore. Now now it's, you have to worry about Chastain because he has no fucks to give. He doesn't give a fuck about anybody. He's come from being a starting Parker, and now you're giving him a car to win. Um, that's dangerous. And he is, he is somebody to look at. He gave up that opportunity at Nice. They they had that choke job special at uh, at Phoenix a couple of years ago when he had won all those truck races, and then they shit the bed there. Um, that and then he didn't get the opportunity in the Xfinity Series and again Ganassi car. Um, you know that Ross Chastain wants this cup in the worst way um, for the little guys um, and how much it would mean for his family and all that, but. He's putting himself in a position to do it for sure. And Justin Marks and this new Gen 7 car and Dale are um, looking pretty good right now um, in regards to what things what's going on early in this season. I mean, yeah, you've got Ross Chastain. He's really been on it since probably Las Vegas, uh, the third race this year, when he led a bunch of laps there. And you could tell that there's something special going to be happening uh, this year for uh just not that car, but the entire track house team. And yeah, he's making Armando Dale, aka Pitbull, looking real smart with the, his investment that he made last year, uh, getting you know, uh, an investment into the track house team and proving you know they can run up front uh, immediately uh, after you know last year they were building things up and now they're running up front. Um, so they've been you know not just this isn't just a you know, surprise Talladega win like some Talladega races have gone but this is a you know, legitimate racer who's uh made his name in the truck series and uh the Xfinity series and it's proven uh to be able to go up against the best of the best and um be able to 
go out and compete and win races. Um, so he knows what he's doing in this car. But um, I mean, the way that this played out, uh, would have thought that you know maybe Eric Jones or Kyle Larson would have won this race. But um, just the way that the draft works, um, you know, Kyle Larson, uh, you know, he doesn't really have a whole lot of experience. Well, he does have a lot of experience now, but just um, this isn't his strong suit. You know, he's um, this is uh, the one type of racing where um, probably takes away a lot of his advantage because you know, he's definitely a guy that uh, is known for driving the car, and this you know this is probably not the type of racing that suits him. So um, had a you know chance to win, but um, just didn't. I don't think he set himself up properly to be able to make the winning move uh, against uh, Eric Jones there, who uh, by the way uh, ended up uh, going the entire race without changing left side tires. So take that for what you will for uh, tire uh, wear at Talladega right now, but. Um, excellent strategy by the crew chief, uh, Dave Ellens there on the number th- uh, 43 car, but, uh, the finish though, um, you know, we had Kyle Larson try to make a move and then, um, got into Kurt Busch and then, uh, that sent Bubba Wallace into the wall. And, and, you know, in the meantime, you had, uh, Ross Chastain basically sneak around the bottom and take the win. Um, kind of reminiscent of, uh, was it, uh, Ron Bouchard, 1981 with Daryl Waltrip and, um, forget who the other driver was in that one but um you know that was a kind of a same type of deal there where two cars fighting it out for the win then guy in third just sneaks on by and takes the win there so the racing there with uh talladega at this you know next gen car I'm, i mean it's pretty solid i felt like um you know you had your drafting trains and your packs and everything um and then you saw, you know, when you weren't in the draft, if you didn't have a drafting partner, you just saw the difference, the, you know, the massive difference. Uh, if you were on your own, um, uh, there was multiple points where if a car got stuck in the middle, they really, uh, sunk to the back real fast, uh, you know, as if they were like in quicksand or something like that. Um, and everybody else drive on by them. Um, but it also does prove that you need to have, a you know, at least, uh, three cars, you know, if you want to sustain a run for multiple laps to try to reach up to the lead and make, uh, moves and everything. Um, you know, you, uh, okay. Yeah. So Terry Labonte and, and, uh, Daryl Walter, which I thought it was Terry Labonte, but I couldn't remember there, but anyways, though. Yeah, uh, I exactly. thought it was too. And I just confirmed it. So yeah. Uh, yeah. But anyways, though, going back to, you know, this type of racing, like, I mean, you can see cars like doing the two car tandem stuff and it worked, but it really only works if you're already up front and you have a guy behind you that can really push uh, the car and, you know, really push you up to the front. But if you, you know, you're sitting back in like 15th or something like that to really sustain something because you have to be able to, you know, they call it the inertia from Junebug. Oh my God. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, well, I mean, yeah. Junebug guy, I mean, as you see, I've got the yeah. shirt and everything and, you know, yeah. displayed my uh, fandom for him multiple times on this show. But, I mean, yeah, right there. Uh, um, well, he yeah, thinks that, about that compression. He, he thinks about compression and combustion when he was throwing that fart machine on uh, Davis. So the fact is he thinks about when certain words get in his head, he's going to say them. So he thinks about compression. You're going to think about concussions, or it's like he's going to be talking about concussions. You're going to be thinking about compression. And uh, he was also talking about inertia. Um, that's how he made two kids. But, um, yeah, you can keep going. <laughs> no, yeah, that's that's a <laughs> inertia. That's how he made two kids. <laughs> yeah, but, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's I guess that's what you get for Boomer Hauer, uh, you know, being a TV announcer or whatever. But, I mean, he's doing a pretty good job regardless, though. So, got to give it to him there. I mean, he's the best announcer for Fox uh, this year. And yeah. at least he's had somebody that knew what he was talking about on the exactly. on the broadcast. 
uh, besides Mike Joy, um, who, you know, can't carry the show in, anymore. But, um, I mean, yeah, that was basically the racing there. Um, you know, uh, saw the kind of the mix between two car tandeming and the instability. Like, if you push too hard, you could really see drivers get loose. Um, and if you push too hard, obviously, uh, you had wrecks. Like, you saw uh, the stack up there and Bubba Wallace got into the back of Joey Logano and hit the wall and touched off uh, one of the big ones and um, everything. So, I mean, that was the type of racing we saw basically all weekend in Cup and even in Xfinity. It was kind of like that, too. Um, there wasn't really a whole lot of, you know, I wouldn't say there was a lot of wrecking because, I mean, there was in the first two stages, right? There was a lot of wrecking, but it was mostly single car accidents or um, small, like less than five cars or whatever, except for the Joey Logano crash. But there wasn't any, like, um, you know, I guess historical wrecks like you've seen in the past from Talladega where there was like 20 cars involved and in, in getting taken out in the, in the crash and you just have like half the field riding around with crash damage. It wasn't quite like that. So there was still um, a good number of competitive cars left uh, at the end there for Talladega. So, um, you know, it was kind of a mix of um, clean racing and, uh, and then a bunch of small ones, I guess. And um, they, I think they did say that the final stage went caution free. Yeah, so, they did. This last think, 62 I, laps went yep. caution free, which is pretty impressive considering uh, what the level of driving standards has become in any major NASCAR series. Uh, the fact that they went 62 laps uh, was something. Uh, you go back to the days, the record was Mark Martin back in 97. They ran a 500 mile Talladega race in under three hours which means there was once upon a time there was 43 drivers that could sit there and respect each other enough to drive a clean race. Now with the stupidity of stages and all the other gimmicks they got, they're not going to be able to get past, get it under three hours. Fine. But they ran 62 laps without running. They were close, obviously close, but what you're saying, Josh is true to run 62 laps and not have a caution is, is nice. Um, Harkens back to the old days when they actually had to race the whole way um, and kind of try to take care of each other. I also think the next-gen car to a point has played a little bit of a role in that uh, because losing equipment. Ross Chastain used the same car to win Coda in this race. When you're talking about how little how the equipment is right now, destroying a race car is not a great thing. And when you're talking about Bubba, they destroyed, he got hooked and, and wrecked at Atlanta trying to win the race. He gets run over because of Kyle Larson making a horrible block, running in a Kurt Busch who then gets into his teammate. A horrible weekend and the end for 23-11. They had great, both of them had great race cars. Bubba was up there a lot. Um, Truex was trying to, trail break and didn't take into account he had four other cars behind a whole row behind him while the Hendrick guys are doing their crap with swap getting and getting in front of each other which led to the chain reaction deal um but if you ask uh LCD NASCAR fans they blamed that on Bubba they were happy he hit the wall and he was you know out of breath um which is part of why you know like the man baby who's buying Twitter. That's the kind of people that they, they are. Oh, Elon. Oh, that's great. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, no, but anyways, LCD, so. LCD things. I mean, I don't know. It, it just bothers me with 
um, and they'll, you know, the the white trash will, will justify it. It's like, oh, he's a cocky guy and he's never done nothing and he, he's brought it upon himself and all this stuff. I'm like, no, no, no. NASCAR used him as a freaking scapegoat for not wanting to have anything to do with the Confederate flag. NASCAR is the one that jumped and made a big deal and freaked out about the 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 pull down in the garage area. Uh, he wasn't the one, but he hasn't helped himself. I'll I'll completely um, say that when it comes to Bubba. But at the end of the day, there's very few people in this sport that actually have a personality. There's very few people in this sport that actually are a are trying to actually move this thing. He's one of the only people that's trying to move this thing forward, no matter what you want to think about him. And frankly, when you look at who is coming to work with him relative to other drivers, you got championship level drivers that are tr- struggling to find sponsors. Bubba Wallace, God love him, middle of the road at best driver. You've got Fortune 500 companies and McDonald's. Columbia, um, DoorDash, DoorDash, freaking uh, Money Lion, whatever. How many of these sponsors were there before he showed up? The Petty team, the that that whatever the hell Petty team was before Maury Gallagher just bought him out was let kept afloat because of the sponsors that Bubba brought to the sport. So um, you may need. I mean, most people that are actually that would not like them are not going to listen to the show. So it is what it is. There are going to be people that listen to the show that don't like them in general, but you need this education. The guy brings sponsors in. The guy is actually trying to make something happen here. Michael Jordan and Denny Hamlin wouldn't just have them as the token guy. Even if people want to believe it, I don't think Denny Hamlin wants to be wasting his own money. If he didn't think the guy had some semblance of talent and he knows the guy from earlier many years ago at Gibbs. So he has some understanding of what Bubba brings to the table. The other thing though, is there's a team, there's also team stuff going on that we have to look into Um, inter team stuff. When it comes to the crew chief, his pit crew is absolutely one of the worst pit crews on in the whole sport. Um, It reminds me of like Tony's pit crew back in the day about how bad they were. Um, His pit crew sucks. And I mean, and that's, I mean, the, the reality that they haven't left a wheel loose like the 78 did yesterday. And I don't know, like colleagues teams have had quite a year, um, in regards to doing fucked up shit and getting, uh, penalized and having to do pit road penalties. The maggot car had to do the pass through penalty with landing castle yesterday. And he still got a top 20 because, you know, that's how things are, but the, the the I mean, I, I I can I'm going off on a thing because Bubba had a car that could have won. He could have won. Bush yeah. also did. Yeah, and and it's just and the sad thing is, there's very few opportunities. Whether it's his talent, whether it's the way they're doing things, they don't maximize their situation. Kurt Busch has been able to maximize it, but the reality is the guy's got twenty something years in the Cup Series. Yeah, you would, he's also you, been maximizing since 2013 when he was or 2012. Yeah, and when he went and tried to can when he canceled himself in 2011, ever since then he's been a different guy. Um, and then when now he's got the smoking hot wife, so he gets to have get laid all the time to while they're using polo sticks on each other. So that's that's a whole other thing. Um, yeah, Tyler Reddick after 
his uh, last lap uh, issue with uh, Chase Briscoe at Bristol blows up. Uh, the um, ECR engines were definitely not working too well. Uh, Daniel Hemrick blew up while in the middle of the pack, got hooked, came back up, slammed into Chase Briscoe, destroyed his car, and then uh, Chris Buescher and Chase Briscoe. So two guys that could have possibly been in position to win. Uh, Busher won. I think Busher won the other uh, duel, right, at uh, Daytona. He did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Both Roush cars, yeah. Both Roush cars won the the duels. And so then you're talking about the car that finished third in the Daytona 500 and a car that won a duel, and they were knocked out, not even 60 laps into the race. Uh, That was pretty brutal. Uh, The 44 car coming through, as usual, uh, having a mechanical issue. Uh, Greg Biffle not really happy about it, but they've been consistent. Uh, you have some other people. You have Logano that took out Ty Dillon, Harrison Burton. You know, Suarez was taken out in a wreck. Oh, Richard, Cold Custard, who's had a nightmare year this year. Um, last year was nondescript anyway. The last couple of years have been nondescript, but it is Cold Custard. But now we're getting to a point where it's like, okay, the only reason you have a job is because your dad is dad's best is the whatever one of the big uh, big guys at the team, and he's uh, Gene Haas's best friend. That's the only reason he has a job right now. You have Ryan Priest sitting around running modifieds and running here and there. You could put him in the car, and I bet you get better results. Um, I'm not going to go to the Riley Herbst thing, but you know. At the end of the day, he's got like Riley Herbst vibes going. Even though he's won Xfinity races, he was somewhat competitive. He won in trucks. He backdoor to win at Kentucky a couple of years ago and won Rookie of the Year. He hasn't been that good. And they'll say, well, Briscoe and him have the same number of wins. But at least Briscoe's running up front weekly. What the hell is Cole Custer doing? You know, it's like once every like eight weeks, 10 weeks, he shows up. It's a 36 weeks, 36 race season. You show up once every four to six weeks. What the hell is the point of having you out there? It's a waste of time. I mean, it's $20 million. That's what that is. I mean, Gene Haas is wasting $25 million of his money to run 25th. I mean, that's what he did before Tony Stewart took the team over, but like, what the hell is the point? Um, yeah. Cody Ware's car got destroyed coming back. The McLeod's car, the wheel fell off. Brad Keselowski. My God. Uh, I don't know what has happened to him. Uh, He's getting ready for the Kentucky Derby, I guess, because he was, I mean, he had a car that could have run, won this race maybe, but he couldn't help himself. Um, He's just getting ready for the Kentucky Derby. Uh, Denny Hamlin uh, got shuffled late and got into that last lap wreck, but he had a car to win. Uh, He ended up with his uh, team cars there in the back. And that's, yeah, I mean, the, 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 the racing, I mean, in the end was clean and they were able to make it work. The tandem doesn't work to the same level as it used to. So you can't really separate, but it does have an ability to make things happen. You need to have help. And there was times where certain people were able to get help, but people wouldn't help. Like, for example, people won't help Briscoe. People won't help Bubba, even though Bubba had one of the fastest cars on a racetrack, which I think is idiotic. If you have a, you know that car is fast, at least push him there and then hang him out later. Give yourself the opportunity. 
but I don't th- I don't think a lot of these drivers have any semblance of understanding of how to to, to race on a plate track uh, to the way that it used to be. And I think that's part of the reason why we have the product we have. But oh well, we'll go to Dover here next week. We might get a first time winner. We might end up getting a Hendrick car winning. Who knows? Um, speaking of Hendrick cars and speaking of inbred dipshits, uh, Noah Gagson got uh, the victory at Talladega. I th- you wouldn't have known that there were very many people in this race if you watched it on TV. I think you would have um, only known that Jeffrey Earnhardt was driving a three car and that Larry McReynolds was his crew chief. But Jeffrey Earnhardt qualified on pole. Jeffrey Earnhardt ran up front. Jeffrey Earnhardt had a chance to win. He made a move that his grandfather would have been proud of there late in the race, and he almost took the special plate. And I was yelling at the TV. I wanted him to hook Noah Gregson right into the grass and into the infield because that's where he was going to go anyway. And I'm like, oh, God dang it. He had he didn't have enough momentum. I wanted him to hook him in the wall, um, and that's sad, but I don't like Noah Gregson. I never will. He's a tool. Um, his fan base is a, is is typical LCD. Um, they're like, well, his dad's in jail. He doesn't sponsor him anymore. I'm like, um, but he's been in an Xfinity car for like three years, and he's won seven races. It's, and he's in a car that every other driver that's driven before him won like won a championship and moved up. Yet he's been in this car for three years. You don't see the problem. He drove a Kyle Busch Motorsports truck for one year. Had had a illness at Pocono and had to miss a race, made the final four, couldn't close. He's made the final four twice, couldn't close. Newsflash, the guy is not as good as you make him out to be. He's a goofy guy. He's He's got the puffy thing because he does coke, whatever. You know, like people like him because he's whatever. He's a dopey guy. He's a middle, middle of the road talent that's driving in top flight equipment. He's an asshole. He's a pervert. He, he's basically a guy who's getting ready to get arrested. You know, why the fuck do people like this guy? I don't get it, but, you know, fuck him. He won another race. He'll go and figure out a way to choke it when it counts in the in the, in the the playoffs. Um, Noah Gagson wins. Earnhardt, Jeffrey Earnhardt second. A.J. Allmendinger still waiting for a super speedway win. That's basically the only thing he's missing now and his uh, resume on the Xfinity side. Ryan Sieg. Uh, landing Castle, trying to get his first career win. So at a track where Colleg has done really well, they get two in the top five, but they really weren't up there. Nope. Alfredo, Herbst, Joe Graff Jr., Christ Almighty. Um, Myatt Snyder and Brett Moffitt. So then you have two of the, um, the hour cars and then the, what's it called, the, uh, why am I forgetting the other? Um, Jeb Burton was 15th, but Jeb Burton was pushing uh, the three car a lot. And Jeb Burton announced today he's going to be running a throwback to his dad, dad's first career win at Darlington here um, next couple of weeks. So that'll be pretty cool. Part of the reason why he's running the number 27. Uh, he'll be running a throwback to his dad, the great Ward Burton. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the reality of it is there is – there's different drivers. I think Almendinger had a shot there. The most dominant car, of course, was Austin Hill before he got into uh, got got destroyed by Sam Mayer. 
There was other people that were up there during the day. Allgaier had engine problems. Those are the two. The big leader was Austin Hill. Then you had Jeffrey Earnhardt, Allgaier, who led double-digit laps. A bunch of people who led, but, you know, Gagson gets the win. Earnhardt was a story, though. Probably I could count on one hand the number of times he's driven a competitive race car in any series in NASCAR. That That's probably the fifth time he's been in a competitive race car. I, I don't know how many races. Maybe it's more because he was in a Gibbs car for a few yeah, he races. He ran like seven races or so like two or three years ago in a Gibbs car. And then I think like one of his first Xfinity starts was in a junior motorsports car. It was with junior in 12 Richmond. or 13. Yeah, it was that. This and then I don't know how many because whatever his sponsor was, the the sponsor pulled a plug on him and then stuck with with the Gibbs team and sponsored Kyle Bush and everybody else. Yeah, but then that sponsor like ran out of business. I ran think, out of something. business too. Yeah, so it was funny. It, they screwed him over, but in the end, he got the ability to run a few races. I the fact is, I was rooting for him so bad because. I knew what that would have meant for him. I know that, you know, conjecture and the media and how they would have presented it in certain ways would have been bad, but I was rooting for him as, you know, understanding what he's gone through in his career, generally speaking, what his talent is, that would have been life-changing for him. The emotion he had just finishing second in Xfinity race, you could, could you like Larry McReynolds probably would have dropped dead. Uh, that would have been ridiculous, <laughs> but he would have, he would have, his head would have been redder than like, I don't know, like he would have been as beat red as a freaking Alabama crimson. He would have been crimson, like the Alabama crimson. Um, he would have been crying, shitting, pissing himself. He would have been something. It would have been him and, and Jeffrey Earnhardt. That would have been something. I, you know, Kerry and uh, his mom and would have, would have been freaking out. It would have been a big deal. And it would have been a lot better than what the result was. Um, the fact is Fox was trying to manifest it, uh, but they failed um, like they do usually. They were trying to manifest it, but it, it almost happened. They had they had Austin Dillon up there too. You had, you had uh, I forget who the hell else they had. They had Kurt Busch up there. But, yeah, they had Austin Dillon up there. They were trying to manifest it, but. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well. Yeah, one of these days it might happen again. Maybe we'll see him at Daytona or something, maybe Atlanta, something like that. Yeah, I could count on that, but um, we'll see what happens there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the story of the day was, yeah, Jeffrey Earnhardt. And, yeah, I mean, probably had the convenient restrictor plate uh, like they usually do for this type of race uh, for that car. It's, it fits and everything. And, I mean, yeah, it was looked like Earnhardt coming down to, you know, win 2000. looked like Dale Jr., you know, going from like 10th to second on the final lap of the 2010 Daytona 500 uh, there. Uh, that's what it looked like. Yeah, and the Bass Pro car won that race. And Bass Pro car won this race. So uh, it kind of fits, I guess. But uh, yeah, he was uh, making a lot of moves like last lap, like uh, Dale Earnhardt and Dale Jr. would have made. So uh, credit to him for at least being in a good car to be able to do it uh, there. Uh, so that was a story. Uh, Junior Motorsports, um, both yeah, Noah Gregson was up there, and uh, when it you know when it mattered, uh, Josh Berry led a couple of laps. Um, Justin Algar uh, probably could have won that race too, but then they ran out of gas on the last lap or the last restart, and I thought that they would have had another caution, uh, but you know they was able to pull over 
off the racetrack. I don't know where he ended up, but he was able to make I it off. I think he was at the front of pit road. Yeah. I think they'd, they'd had so many damn cautions. They were like, all right, if he can pull yeah, his whatever. car off, just call it a day. Yeah, so they did that. Uh, Sam Mayer was pretty good, too. Uh, then he got wrecked late. Um, so all, all four of them, you know, they did fairly well. Uh, and then they had one of them win. So, um, you know, they were able to win the race. And um, Noah Gretzson gets his second win. Uh, I mean, you saw A.J. Allmendinger and Landon Castle, the colleague cars. They they weren't up there, really. I mean, they were, you know, in the top ten. Um, they were up there when it mattered. But uh, it's not like it used to be uh, for colleague racing. It seems like maybe they've lost a little bit there advantage or everybody else has uh, started you know like i've talked about before they started to figure out their game and they're all teaming up with each other i mean you saw it with rcr the 21 uh who crashed austin hill uh the two also crashed uh and then of course the three car so uh they've kind of figured it out uh for this race and it seems like that's in you know, Junior Motorsports also figured it out. So it seems like that's the way, that's the name of the game, at least in, you know, Xfinity. And I think in Cup 2 is this uh, manufacturer, uh, you know, teaming up together or team cars teaming up together. So it is almost kind of like the, the past, though. Uh, you know, the, I, I feel like, like, you know, 20 years ago the at the racetrack, like, you know, you had the DEI cars that teamed up together. Um, I think Hendrick teamed up together. Uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, Joe Gibbs teaming up together. So it's kind of, kind of going back to that direction um, after a few years of it kind of being all individualized and everything. So uh, kind of in that nature. Um, but uh, yeah, this race um, seemed like there was a lot of wreck or more wrecks in this race than there were in the cup series. Um, you know, you had 25 lead changes and then you had 10 cautions and um, especially in like the last part of that race, um, it seemed like there was just a, you know, last 20 laps or so, you, you had half the cautions almost. Um, so a lot, a lot of uh, crashing that they, you know, took place. Um, so it was uh, definitely um, slow ending, I guess, because like you get to the end of this race and like, oh, okay, well they have 20 laps, it'll be over, you know. 20 minutes or so and then they start crashing and everything and then draws out to like another hour and a half to finish the last 20 laps it feels like so um you know a lot of these races it takes too long to finish because they keep crashing and um that's how it is at at talladega but i guess you know we expect it to be like that because that's how they race but um the racing you know overall pretty solid um kind of like the cup race uh so uh, a lot of a lot of action that took place for sure, but you know this was a definitely a exciting race to watch. You know, especially if you're an Earnhardt fan, and, um, and if you you know you're old school and you wanted to see that number three car uh, win in, in Talladega once again. I wanted to see that win in so many ways. Uh, the uniform, they did a great job with the uniform too, making it look like uh, Dale Senior's old or uh, GM Goodrich with the the lettering. The whole, uh, the vibes were there. They gave him the special plate. He qualifies on pole. His teammate dominates the race. Nobody wanted to work with Jeffrey, but he probably had the fastest car in the whole entire place. And if it had been, if he would been able to get with that twenty one car, I think they would have. It would have been between the two of them. Uh, the twenty one car, of course, got wrecked. But Austin Hill has really. In his case, he he's won at Daytona. He's set. Um, he, he's in a situation right now where it's not that big of a deal. He wanted the win, I'm sure, but he's the way the points are right now. 
you know, there's what is it, four or five winners. So he's gonna he's gonna get in the playoffs. It's no problem. In regards to playoff points right now, there's five, six, five, six, seven, eight, nine that have playoff points. So Hemrick, I mean, the the points right now are it's kind of crazy. I mean, there's three cars. It's Almendinger is a forty point lead on on Gregson and Gibbs is third, forty five points back. Right now, the playoff points have Gibbs in first with Gregson second and Almendinger third. Then you have a big gap. Josh Berry's kind of in his own world. Brandon Jones is in fifth. Allgaier, Sieg, Ryan Sieg, and Sam Mayer are only separated by about eight points. Austin Hill is in ninth. Riley Herbst, 10th. Landon Castle, 11th. Daniel Hemrick is on the cutoff, defending series champion. So all three college cars, uh, what is it, uh, three, four, all four junior motorsports cars. Yeah, all four, yeah, the nine, the eight, the seven, and the one, yeah. Then you have um, all three college, yeah, all three colleagues, all four RCR, or all three junior motorsports, the two Joe Gibbs full-time cars, so three, four, nine. And then you have Ryan Sieg. Riley Herbst and um, who am I forgetting there? Uh, and our Austin Hill. Those are the other three. But then you have you have Sheldon Anthony Alfredo and Sheldon Creed, um, Brandon Brown, Jeb Burton, and Brett Moffitt. Those are all cars that have won run every race. You also have to give consideration to Myatt Snyder and Clements. Um, those are other people, but really right now, points wise, Anthony Alfredo is 10 points out of the cutoff right now. And, uh, that would be interesting if that team could get in Sheldon Creed, uh, needs a win. That's the same thing for Brandon Brown. So basically he's waiting for Daytona now, uh, to get in Jeb Burton, our motorsports. They only, they're all looking for a win right now. Points are not in their favor, but they might have a chance. Road courses might go in the favor of a Moffitt, um, Alfredo, and Burton need more short tracks. But it's something to see. It, right now, we kind of have our 12. It's something that speaks to the Xfinity Series. Probably needs to have 10. Trucks need to have 8. Cup needs to have 12. I've We've said this on this show before. I think I've said it on other shows like talking in circles. Um, there's too many teams that make the playoffs. You need to make it a little bit more about being a playoff and not just bringing everybody. The problem with sports now is now we're just giving way too many teams the opportunity to make it, even if you're not really that good. And when you look at some of the drivers that are right now in there, and, and I'm when we're talking about somebody who I like in Daniel Hemrick, he really hasn't done shit this year. Um, he does more in a cup car in his limited starts for colleague than he does in the Xfinity car, and he's the defending Xfinity champion. That's kind of weird to me, uh, but I think it speaks to what his driving style is and what he's about. He's more suited to the cup car than he is to Xfinity. Hopefully, colleague sees that and says, okay, fine, we'll give you that cup ride instead of Noah Gregson, which I'm afraid they're going to give him that ride which he'll just destroy race cars every single week like he does in general. The fact he actually came back with a clean race car for Beard I might be the first time he's done that um, since he drove for them. So 
uh, you know, whatever. And he made up a blueberry, whatever. What the hell do they have? The the blueberry frosty. So they should name it the stoner frosty or the cocaine frosty because that's for him. But uh, he shoved it up Jamie Little's ass. So that that must have been fun. Yeah, MW55 definitely got a lot of that action, too. Oh, yeah, no, that's, that, you know what, that's true. Because MW55s, yeah, yeah, that's true. Him and, and Noah Gregson on the boulevard, that was probably interesting. And that was, and Bob Pockers was not there, thankfully, to see well, all that. He was that. there on the boulevard, but. But he, was, I don't think it was on the same day. I think it was on Friday he did the boulevard, or I was don't it know. Saturday? I think he did it on Friday night. He he went on the boulevard, which is outstanding. Um, Pockris is trying to get rid of the old, the way that he used to be. I saw him in the in the um, press uh, room at Pocono, and he looked like a real dweeb. He's trying to get rid of that whole thing. Uh, he's he's letting his hair down, what little hair he has left, um, and and throwing it down. So God bless him. They're trying to humanize the media. In, in in this day and age, considering how bad things are for media in the world. Speaking of media in the world and how things are, we're going to go to the Parmigiano-Reggiano Grand Prix where uh, Karen Horner um, got to stick his thing in a vacuum cleaner and blow a load after uh, his butt buddy, Fish Lips, uh, basically had a perfect weekend, qualified on pole, won the sprint, Won the race, cut the points lead down uh, pretty pretty handily. Uh, they came into the race, I think it was 46 points behind uh, Charles Leclerc. Only made up a point in the sprint race, but in the end gained 18 points in the race itself. So now the gap that was 46 points is now 27 going to Miami and the the... Miami parking lot race and around Hard Rock Stadium that we'll preview on episode 112 of the GSP. But in regards to the um, Pasta Fazul Grand Prix, uh, we had Max Verstappen lead every lap. Uh, teammate Sergio Perez finishes second. Uh, the battle was really between Sergio Perez and Leclerc for that second spot. Leclerc uh, wrecked trying to get it and then had to come back after putting a wing on and doing repairs, came back to sixth. Lando Norris was the beneficiary, main beneficiary, because he got a podium. George Russell continues his consistency with, uh, he's the only driver so far in the 2022 season to finish in top five in every race. And considering what he's driving, that's even more impressive. And he finished fourth. Valtteri Botas gets a top five finish for Alpha Sauber, which is huge for them and their battle in the midfield. And when you consider the guy couldn't drive a hot nail through snow for the last couple of years in a Mercedes at times, he was able to pass people. Uh, it's something it's good to see. Valtteri Botas doing well as the team leader there. Leclerc uh, finished sixth. Yuki Sonoda had a good weekend. Qualifying didn't go well, ran well and ran all right in the sprint, but made up a lot of places here in the race, finished seventh. Aston Martin, after a nightmare start to the season, Sebastian Vettel 
gets uh, points, gets finishes eighth, and his teammate finished tenth. Kevin Magnuson salvages Haas's situation, last car in the lead lap in ninth. Alexander Albon had a chance to get points again for the second race in a row for Williams, but fell just short while his teammate was non um, was non-existent. Uh, we talk about Gasly had a horrible weekend. The Alpine team terrible weekend um, for them, but uh, you know, and then of course Daniel Ricciardo was uh, collateral damper. He was part of the issue for uh, Carlos Sainz in that wreck there, and Carlos Sainz uh, got an extension, but he crashed in qualifying, and then he made up for it in the sprint. And then first lap incident and knocked him out of the race. Alonzo was a part of that deal. Side pod was destroyed, so I had to park him. Ricardo finished last behind Mick Schumacher, who spun out twice. One of his uh, worst weekends in his career. Uh, but Lewis Hamilton, if you want to talk about worst weekends of his career, uh, probably one of the worst weekends of his career, too. Finished 13th and was generally... Uh, not a factor at all while his teammate finished fourth. So multiple things to unpack there, Josh. Um, you know, Red Bull basically maximizing the points, taking advantage of Ferrari's mistakes, the drivers, and in general, the team. That was a big deal. Verstappen really trying to get his championship on track. He's won two races this year, just like Leclerc. But this race had a little bit more sauce for him in that he got those points from the sprint and so he was what what would have been i think a little bit more less of a momentum shift uh, based on the old sprint uh points this is a huge momentum shift he cut basically cut the lead in half in one weekend in the in the span of span of two days he went from 40-plus points out, 46 points out, to 28. It's basically half. You're going to a new racetrack next race in Miami, so it's open for everybody. Um, Verstappen trying to go and make sure he can go and defend this title. The, the Constructors' Championship is nine points as well between them and Ferrari. So all to play for now. Red Bull had a huge weekend. This weekend at Imola, at a track that if you watch that race, um, you understand why they didn't race there for a long time. There really isn't anywhere to pass. It's a GT track. It's a touring car track. It's a lower formula track for open wheels. It's not a track for Formula One. Uh, It's really not good for racing, no matter how many different iterations of Formula One cars they do there. It's never, it hasn't been a good racetrack since they changed it post Senna's uh, and Ratzenberger's untimely deaths. Uh, And even then, it wasn't a great racetrack either. It was literally, you'd go and have the same processional type racing then too. But Imola's not been a great racetrack ever. Um, You could run fast speeds, but it was more known for huge crashes than it was for anything else. Um, So beside the point but yeah fish lips gets another win there josh yeah i mean there was really yeah not a whole lot that happened in this race i mean outside of lap one carlos Sainz uh getting taken out with dan ricardo of course not incidental or you know not intentional just a racing incident there 
that happened. Unfortunate for uh, Ferrari there, um, having to retire on the first lap or not even completing the first lap, right? And then later on, uh, Leclerc uh, spun out and, and uh, cost himself a podium finish there. Um, but you know, other than that, um, there's a lot of you know a lot of issues uh, throughout the field. Um, they didn't have DRS for a large portion of the race, um, even though they had began to form a, a dry line. Um, and remember talking or hearing that on the broadcast, they were talking about um, the lack of DRS availability after um, you know a certain amount of time in this race, and it was already wet. Um, and then you said like the track's not really meant for uh, Formula One cars and doesn't really do a good job of passing uh, for Formula One cars. So uh, there's that too. Um, so yeah, I mean of course Lewis uh, or Max Verstappen uh, led all the race unchallenged and didn't have to really do anything. You know, all he had to do was um, pass Leclerc uh, in the sprint, and that was basically it for um, for the race, and took off and uh, led the whole thing. And then Sergio Perez um, able to take it home in second, so now Red Bull gets their first 1-2 uh, finish since, like, 2016. Uh, so uh, they, ma- they managed to capitalize on everything. They maximized uh, their points uh, for their team, and now... For stopping has uh, has a, a chance now to uh, sniff at um, at Charles Leclerc, and I mean for Ferrari this could be. Uh, I mean it's already had some bad finishes with uh, Carlos Sainz uh, two races in a row where he retired early, but um, Charles Leclerc. I mean uh, we expected a lot of out of him. Um, he's been up front. He's finished either first or second so far until this race, and maybe this is the first crack in the season for. Uh, Leclerc, the you know first mistake and uh, could lead to trouble for him or something. We see him um, force you know get forced into other mistakes, trying to make up for this mistake as we progress the uh, next couple of races and could uh, allow an opportunity for you know Max Verstappen to take the point lead, especially you know, with Miami coming up, a new racetrack, Monaco uh, coming up after that. So uh, there's opportunity there for uh, Max Verstappen, um, but. I mean, like you said, um, not a whole lot of things that happened in this race. Um, you know, Lewis Hamilton, disappointing result, and he apologized to Toto, and then Toto apologized to him. So a lot of uh, I'm sorry uh, going around with uh, Mercedes there, especially on uh, car number 44. Um, and you know, it looked like he really struggled uh, throughout you know the whole weekend. But um, I think there is a, a lot of a lot of times where he could have passed uh, Pierre Gasly at least and try to make up spots and possibly finish in the top 10. But I mean, I feel like maybe the lack of DRS, um, especially because it looked like he had a fairly faster car than um, some of the guys in front of him getting held up by Yuki Sonoda uh, for a good chunk of the middle portion of that race. Uh, I feel like maybe Lewis Hamilton could have made up spots there, but uh, just didn't have the opportunity to and, I mean, even when he had the opportunity to pass, uh, didn't have enough, um, you know, especially with no DRS there uh, for a good portion of that race. So uh, ends up finishing 13th, a lap down. So a rare result for Lewis Hamilton. But, you know, this year they've been struggling. And um, I think Mercedes, you know, they've been struggling as a whole as a team. And um, George Russell carrying the flag once again for Mercedes. And they talked about the, the porpoising issue with these cars, especially Mercedes. It looks like they've been struggling a whole lot with it too. Um, and George Russell also commenting that uh, the porpoising is, I guess, starting to hurt him physically. And it seemed like it was the worst at this racetrack uh, so far. And he said he 
uh, doesn't know how much longer he'd be able to um, you know take it to be able to stand it. So I imagine if they're feeling it, you know, from all the bouncing, imagine that uh, a lot of these other cars uh, teams are probably feeling the same thing. Um, we saw it in the first race uh, when Charles Leclerc is winning the pole. You could see how hard his head was bouncing in the cockpit, and saw highlight uh, Lewis Hamilton in uh, this race uh, while he was driving. Uh, you can see how hard his head was bouncing under braking uh, in, into one of the corners. So, um, yeah, this this is an issue. And you know, they like you talked about it earlier. Like, if they increase the ride height of the cars, it you know would fix everything. But of course, this is an issue that uh, we've seen now with this uh, ground effect car because that's what this is. This is a ground effect car, and we haven't really seen that um, in the past. But that was probably because these cars weren't as technologically advanced as they are uh, right now. So um, when you take all of that into account, it makes sense why these cars bouncing or porpoising so uh, violently uh, when they get under braking, they lose downforce and they suddenly regain downforce um, as they you know as they get into the corners. So um, yeah, it's a uh, not really a whole lot to talk about this race. Um, of course, you had McLaren, uh, Lando Norris finally getting a, a podium, so good for that. And then on the other end, you have Ricardo um, basically not having much to show for uh, whatever effort they had in qualifying. And, um, you know, they took out Carlos Sainz and then sustained damage from that and then ended up, you know, being in the back uh, in that race uh, for however many uh, long uh, you know, rest of this race. So it was um, not a good weekend for Ricardo and um, just uh, unfortunate for Ferrari that they ended up taking this result at their home racetrack. I mean, yeah, it's a home racetrack, Enzo, Dino, Ferrari, and Autodromo, whatever the fuck. Um, but, you know, Charles Leclerc, he'll, he has, this is the chinks in the armor. We talked about it in Grid Talk. Uh, if you want to go and listen to another podcast, episode 190 of the Grid Talk podcast, uh, I got called in to host that deal. Um, we did a deep dive on the race itself. Went through everybody, really, in that race. Um, I didn't do driver of the day. I think I effed up with that. I effed up multiple things on that episode, which, you know, when you listen to this show and the way I get at some points, par for the course. But um, I was called in last minute to do that. Um, but Tom, Aaron, and uh, Jawad did a great job uh, breaking everything down. The McLarens had good pace. The Mercedes power unit doesn't look as bad uh, when it comes to the McLarens and George Russell. And even Aston Martin got a double podium, double points, double podium. Good Lord, if that happened, um, double points uh, for them. So the fact that Lewis was completely out of sorts and out to lunch the whole weekend, especially when you consider the conditions, the way the conditions were this weekend, it was prime for him to go and feast because the wet dry, he he has he has that ability that very few have ever had before him and after. And he had nothing. And it's and it's not good. It gives me it brings pause and it gives me um, concern. Uh, I mean, they've already thrown out that they're not competing for either championship, which is depressing especially considering he got screwed out of the driver's championship last year. But, I mean, even Karen Horner said he's an eight-time champion, which tells you all you need to know. The guy's like, oh, yeah, he's an eight-time champion. Yeah, yeah, he should have been. 
point is you should be nine time champion if you're gonna get nine or a ten time champion if you're gonna get in a real talk because he got screwed in 2007 got screwed in 2016 and got screwed last year so that's three more you'd have 10 you'd have probably quit and then we'd have who we'd have Botas and George Russell and George Russell would be bending Valtteri Botas over the way that he's bending Lewis Hamilton over. And then you have two randoms at Alfa Romeo. But um yeah. First stop in getting that win, dominating, doing what they have to do. I think the reliability issues for Red Bull aren't gonna isn't gonna change. You're gonna have the days like they had uh uh, on Sunday where they go and dominate, but then there's going to be days where he goes and falls out of the race. And that's going to be a problem, especially when they're having to change power units and they're going to have grid po- grid penalties and they're going to have to start tailback, but they'll be able to maneuver. They'll be able to pass compared to other cars. That's where the the play is. That's where Ferrari has to go and maximize their situation, run away with the race get maximum points, fastest lap, and make Max Verstappen have to drive to second, kind of like what he did at Turk, um, at Russia last year, which was one of, the, uh, one of the drives of the season because it was a fortunate drive. He wasn't going to finish there, um, but with all the crap, with Lou, Lando Norris and stuff like that, all the things that happened with the rain coming in, that was that probably was the rot drive that won him the championship. wasn't any race that he won. wasn't anything that he really did. wasn't anything to do with Lewis. Him backdooring a second and Lewis winning, only losing seven points there when he probably should have lost more. When at the end of the day, the points differential was like five or whatever the hell it ended up being last year. That was the race right there and and that's where you get into um every point counts we talked about it last year uh where we talked about it on grid talk uh where every point counts and it was eight points and seven points was the the difference was seven points i think or one point coming into the uh final race of the year so yeah so i mean Every point counts in Formula One. Giving up points like the way Ferrari did uh, on Sunday is not acceptable if you're trying to win either championship. Leclerc made errors that are not good errors as our new kettle's going off there on the side. Um, uh, the fact of the matter is he can't do that. Miami is an open, open contest, brand new racetrack. He needs to come back and reset the narrative because Spain is a great racetrack for Max Verstappen. That's where he won his first career race. That's a track that Red Bull, they've been great at. Monaco is a track where Red Bull's done really well. So if you get a little bit of momentum back in Miami, that sets the tone. Okay, fine. Go to Catalonia where Ferrari had great pace during testing. And then of course, Monaco, which of course Leclerc is never finished in the point. It's like some weird crap because he's a monogast. So for him to go and, and be able to show up and try to win Monaco as a Monaco uh, being from there, it, it would be huge. Um, he qualified on pole, but he crashed the car and he couldn't even race last year. So maybe he'll qualify on pole and race. We'll see what happens with that, but we'll, 
We'll find out how that goes. Formula One, there's so many races to go this year. It's really hard to make any real um, takes that are crazy. Like I try to put out there when it comes to Lewis, is it the beginning of the end for him? I don't think it's the end. He has another year. Um, They may, Mercedes may start looking at their options for whether they're going to compete for this year or not. George Russell is showing that if they make this car better, he could be sneaky um, because he's used to driving shitty cars. So I think that's fundamentally part of the reason why he's been able to deal with a lot of this. But they need to make the car balanced. They need to make the car drive better. And then both of them would be driving well. And then all of a sudden you might have a real battle with three teams in this. And then you add the likes of McLaren in there. Occasionally with a little Alpine action going on. Might actually have some interesting races. I mean, fundamentally, it'll be Ferrari and Red Bull for most of the year. So it's something that we will see. Uh, where were your, you had something to add in there, man? No, I mean, it's been a yeah a crazy, not really crazy year, but um, I think with, with Lewis Hamilton, I mean, I kind of agree with you, like you said there. And it's also just the fact that we're under new regulations and I guess Mercedes, they haven't quite figured it out and everything. So um, we'll see how it goes uh, by the you know summer break. I mean, that's a long time, but um, yeah. by the summer break, we'll see uh, how, I mean, how they are as a team, if they can start picking up their performance. But, you know, we'll see. We've got new track coming next week, uh, two weeks on Mother's Day in America. Um, and they're coming down to my neck of the woods down in Florida. So um, should be exciting. Uh, I don't think I'll be in person to watch it but because it was a lot of money for the tickets but uh you know the exciting to see formula one come out to florida so (laughs) i'll be watching that one on tv yeah unless you want to go and work work the grounds or something you pay thousand dollars to sit in the middle of nowhere on that crappy racetrack which is something i was looking at my buddy keith who wants to come on the show he works at my former job um, we were looking at tickets and it's like, oh, it's a thousand dollars to sit at the marina or wherever that, that fake marina they're setting up at the back end of the circuit, or you're sitting in this little corner, little chicane area, which is in the middle of nowhere on that circuit. And then you don't see anything else. You'll see the cars for five seconds and you have to pay a thousand dollars to sit there. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? It's 300 just for a general admission for practice on Friday. It's like three hundred dollars, or I don't want to say three hundred dollars, but they they call it like the um, I forgot what it's called, like the general, not general admission. But they call it the the campus pass. That's what it's called because I keep getting these emails from them, you know, um, for the tickets, and they call it the F one campus pass for the Miami Grand Prix, and I think it costs like three hundred dollars, and that's just for. I think that that might be for Sunday. I don't know. That can't be for Sunday, but um, no. I think Saturday and Friday. That's the the ticket price. And that's just for general oh. admission, which literally you're just going to be able to roam around and walk around. So you're paying 300 bucks to walk around. I mean, shit, like the indie cars, I forgot how much I paid for that, but I think I was maybe like 80 bucks. And in, uh, in no, Saint that's Pete. yeah. And I could walk there, around. There's so many day. people. There's so many people that are realizing the, what, what the good thing is about formula one expanding into the U S with all these races with Las Vegas too. Cause we talked about that on grid talk too. Uh, like Tom Downey, every 
interesting F1. He's going to come to Coda, and I think he's going to Vegas too with his friend because they for like a bachelor party or stag or whatever. But what's coming out of this is how good of a value IndyCar is and how much people are going to be like, oh, we get to have this level of competition, a high-quality product with so many drivers and so many people that can win, and we get to watch it and we get to get little good access, not the whole way, not like NHRA, but you get really good access and whatever, and you get it at a good cost. Like The problem is they're not in the Northeast. Um, That's one thing. They should be at Watkins Glen... New Hampshire, Pocono, Richmond, which is southeast, theoretically, or whatever. It's kind of borderline. Um, If they were there, then you could really make something happen. Of course, they're in St. Pete. Um, I think Sebring, if they really wanted to get crazy, they could run Sebring, uh, the short course. Uh, I think it would be really cool to watch IndyCars on the long course. But um, it shows where Formula, the disconnect, exists if you really want fans formula one like drive to survive you want real formula one fans to show up you need to make it cost effective if you're not going to make it cost effective people are still going to go to nascar races i'm not going anymore i don't have any desire to anymore for multiple reasons but i have a desire to go to indycar races i have a desire to go to to imsa races i have a desire to go to any virtually any other thing I mean, even NHRA, because now, what is it, uh, Kenny Koretsky's family bought uh, Redding, the Maple Grove Raceway. So now I can only imagine that they're going to put more money into it and try to make that place better, which we'll talk about in the NHRA part for the the fact is NHRA is about fans, um, albeit whatever their level may be, but they're about fans. And that's what you're supposed to do. Whatever this Miami, you know, publicity stunt they're going to have and then the Las Vegas publicity stunt they're going to have next year is not about fans. It's about PR and about big business. Pizzazz. Yeah. It's in, and I want them – I want to make sh- – I hope the NFL like has like Sunday night football at Allegiant Stadium uh, that day or something so that it's like a complete clusterfuck to get in and it would be hilarious. That's well, that's what I, I want. Think Sunday night football guys cuz I think they said for the Las Vegas race that's going to be on a Saturday night. So I think Is it oh, it's concert. a Saturday night. Oh, I figured yeah. it was a Sunday night. I I was I was trying to manifest like a total clusterfuck. So Yeah. Well, it's okay. already going to be uh it's already going to be a clusterfuck there Charlie Fox Trail, whatever you call it, but like um I think they said it's going to be 10 p.m. local time. Uh, the start on a Saturday night. So that's like at like what one a.m. for America, you know, East Coast. Eight, I mean, come on. No, no. If it's no. ten a.m. or ten p.m. on the uh, in cent, that's a cent. Is that a there? Are they a Pacific? I I, I think or, they're, no, they're mountain, on mountain time. So that yeah. means it's eight for us. No, you're you're going the other way around. It, it's going to be later for us. If it's Mountain Time, ten p.m., that means it's going to be like one a.m. Twelve, or twelve. No, it'll be twelve midnight for us. Really? Yeah, I'm pretty oh. sure. Maybe I have it oh, the other God. way around. Oh, maybe that I, would I, be Maybe bad. it's like seven p.m. local. Well, time, who maybe. knows? I don't know. But it's still going to be we, late for we us. We have though. a long. That's, we yeah. have we have a year plus year and what is it? Seven months to. We have nineteen months before the 
the Las Vegas Grand Prix on the Strip or whatever. I think it's in October, November of 23. So if they're trying to schedule that during, I mean, that's the same way as they would schedule boxing where the main event, but then the main events are always usually at 12 midnight East Coast time, uh, which would be essentially 10 p.m. their time. So yeah, it'd be 12 midnight. Yeah, but I mean, the point of all of this is saying is that Coda is affordable. I mean, we've talked about it before. It's affordable. Miami, probably not uh, for the average race fan. And Las Vegas, probably not affordable too. But and, you know, yeah. that's how it is. That's why Coda, like there's a thing, like how Dale Jr. said on his show, like people have to get to North Wilkesboro to prove that we need to keep it open. We need to go to Coda. I want to go to Coda in the worst way. I just need to find, I need to hope this job is the one that I can actually get there. There's like, I want to go to Coda, want to go to Watkins for the U.S. Grand Prix, want to go to Watkins Glen for the six hours, and I want to go to the Indianapolis 500. And then my, my, I think my racing life would be pretty good at that point uh, because Coda is one of the most best circuits in the world, period. It's one of the one of only two or three tier one circuits in America. It's Coda, Indianapolis, road course and this Miami circuit. And then like the Vegas circuit. So there'll be one of four, the Vegas circuits once a year for like three days, four days, the Miami tracks for four days. There's only two actual circuits that are tier one support Coda. The fact of the matter is that play and it's Austin, you know, it's college town. It's a beautiful track. It's a proper racetrack. Um, I wish IndyCar ran there too. Uh, you would think that Penske Entertainment, that whole thing, would be really looking at making the schedule uh, a really good, interesting schedule, starting it the end of February after NASCAR starts, end it just before football. You could have a really nice, tight schedule with a lot of the best circuits that exist in our country and even in, in North and North in, in the Americas. Go to Go to Hermanos Rodriguez, go to Montreal, go to K- Toronto. You could have a 20-race calendar. I mean, the money probably wouldn't work, but you could have a 20-race calendar with a lot of great racetracks. And you could have everything, ovals, short ovals, big ovals, road courses, etc. But that's beside the point. We'll get to the roundup here, a very busy roundup to uh, start this deal. Let me go. Yeah. Fabio Cotteraro gets his first win of 2022. And uh, in his defense of his world championship at the Algarve, won by 5.4 seconds over Johan Zarco. Alex Chespargaro finished third. Alex Rins fourth. Miguel Oliveira fifth. Mark Marquez beats his brother Alex for sixth. Peko Bagnias eighth. Uh, Polis Bargro 9th and Maverick Vinales 10th. In regards to the points leading into this weekend's race at Jerez, Quattararo is tied with Alex Rins, but he takes the lead because he has a first and a second over Alex Rins' second and a third. Uh, Alex Bargro is third. Ania Bestaini crashed out of the race, uh, which is why he is dropped from first to fourth. He has two wins and two other point-scoring positions, but 
He is now eight points behind. Johan Zarco is fifth in the standings with a second and a third place finish and one non-point scoring. Uh, Joanne Muir, former world champion, uh, crashed out uh, uh, and he's sixth right now. Binder seventh, he crashed. Uh, Miguel Oliveira has a win and uh, fifth there this past weekend, but otherwise not much to show for the year. Jack Miller, who's in discussions, he looks like he's not going to have his ride at Ducati, the factory effort. Uh, he might go to the Pramac team, or he may end up going to LCR Honda. Right now he's ninth. Peko Begnai is having a nightmare season. He's only 10th right now. He is 38 points out of the lead. He's tied with his teammate, along with Mark Marquez. So three guys at 31 points. Paul Espargaro with 30 points. Um, the two Honda riders not really doing much of anything. In regards to MotoGP, um, getting into the Moto2 uh, standings, getting into for uh, getting into this next race, the wow Joe Roberts won. That didn't show up. Yeah, so the Moto2 race at the Algarve, Joe Roberts gets the win over Celestino Vietti, who is the points leader. Jorge Navarro's third, Marcel Schroeder fourth, and Manuel Gonzalez fifth. Go and look down through the rest of this field. Sean Dylan Kelly finished 13th, so he got points. Um, the rest of the, a lot of the riders did not start, including Cameron Bobier. So that's something. Um, they don't show anything in the, they're talking about, they don't have anything about, the race at the Algarve and this is on the, on the uh, motorsport.com website. So that's why I was surprised that uh, Joe Roberts won the race, but Joe Roberts with his win now has launched himself up into fourth in points. He's only, what is it? Uh, five point, what is it, six, seven points behind Ayagura for second. And uh, Celestino Vietti, uh, for every race he has scored, every race he's finished, he's either finished first or second. So he's got a huge points lead right now. Uh, Ayagura, Tony Arbolino, and Joe Roberts are in a battle along with Aaron Kinnett uh, for, what is it, seven seven points, separate second to fifth. Uh, Chantra, who won uh, Mandalika, he finished second the race after that, and um, otherwise, that's it. Uh, he hasn't done much of anything. Get through the rest of that. Bobier's 18th in points. Sean Dillon Kelly got his first points of the year. He's 25th, so he's off. Uh, he broke uh, his duck there at, uh, at the Algarve. F2 and F3, get into that. For this uh, this weekend, um, what's it called? Uh, trying to say, um, Logan Sargent. Logan Sargent qualified on pole for the for grid uh, for the first race. He qualified on pole over. Um, I don't know how does that how does that work? Marcus Armstrong was faster than him, and then the the Jay Hander 
Okay, I don't know how that works. But they must have done a swap or something. Um, yeah. So in the first race, and F2 Marcus Armstrong won over Jay Andruvla and Dennis Hauger. Roy Nassani fourth, Felipe Drogovic, the points leader, fifth, and Logan Sargent sixth after he um, qualified on pole. Uh, Dennis Hauger got the fastest lap point as well. Teo Pocher, Liam Lawson, the points finishers in the um, first race at uh, Imola. Amory Cordiel has acquired enough penalty points, but they didn't say anything in regards to that. He's like the new, um, uh, what is his name? Uh, uh, what the hell? Um, Lord Mahavir. He's a new Lord Mahavir in uh, Formula 2 with his uh, lack of ability. Um, bringing up race two in uh, Formula 2, Teo Pocher wins over Enzo Fittipaldi and Ralph Boshong. Clement Novalak finished fourth. Iwasa fifth. Vesti sixth. Logan Sargent seventh. Beckman, Daruvala, and Drogovic round out your top ten. And then uh, looking at some of the people that are that are competing for points here, Hauger doesn't even make the start. Yuri Vips is out after five laps. Roy Nassani, Liam Lawson, Cordial finished dead last, of course. In regards to the standings there, Teo Pocher is leading the points um, by four over Drogovic now. And uh, Jehan Daruvala is in third, Liam Lawson fourth. Right now, the battle is really Pocher, Drogovic. Drogovic is it's four points between the two of them. Pocher didn't score any points in Saudi. Um, so that's something. And so that, but Daruvala, Lawson, you have a big from third to eighth is only six points. Daruvala, Lawson, Vershore, Boshong, Vips, and Marcus Armstrong. Logan Sargent right now is 11th in points, uh, tied with Enzo Fittipaldi. That's something we'll look at um, when you also consider how bad uh, Nicholas Satifi is. If, uh, if, if Logan Sargent can actually put something together, he might be able to get into Formula 1 next year. Something to see. Uh, the results of Formula 3 in race 1, Franco Colapinto wins the race uh, over Victor Martens, American Jack Crawford, Red Bull driver, uh, finishes third, Roman Stanek, Isaac Hajdar, top five, Kalen Frederick, another American, gets um, points along with Smolier and Vilgamez. Yeah, I'm trying to go through Hunter Yaney, 15th. Kush Miney uh, got penalized for not starting properly and um, ended up buried in 20th. So that sucked for him. Roman Stanek won the second race. Jack Crawford gets a second. So good weekend for him. Hajdar rounds out the podium. Oliver Bierman, Artur Leclerc. Makes it three Prema cars in the top five. Kushmini gets a sixth. Kalen Frederick gets an eighth. So 
a couple of the American drivers have a good weekend here this weekend. Hunter Yaney finished 17th there in that second race. And uh, standings-wise, Victor Martins is tied with Artur Leclerc for the points lead. Then Roman Stanek is third. Hajdar Crawford, there's two points between first and fifth. Bierman sixth. Juan Manuel Correa, who didn't even race in Imola for whatever reason, is still ninth. Kalen Frederick is 12th. Kushmini 14th. Trying to go through the rest of Hunter Yaney. He's 25th, has no points. There's a bunch of drivers that don't have any points going into the next round, um, which will be in Spain in a few weeks' time. World Superbikes, the results of the race at Assen, the second race of the year. In race one, Johnny Ray over Batista and Toprak, the defending world champion. Locatelli, Andrea Locatelli, Iker Lacuona, your top five. Loris Baz, Otil, Garrett Gerloff finished eighth. Redding, Axel Bassani, and Javi Vieje, former uh, Moto2 champion there. Um, I'll look through some of these other people. Yeah, who cares? Um, Super Pole race, Johnny Ray over Toprak and Alvaro Bautista. Andrea Locatelli, Iker Lacuona for Honda. Gerloff was seventh in race two. Alvaro Bautista gets a double over Locatelli, Iker Lacuona, Lowe's, Redding. Um, Garrett Gerloff retired from the race. Toprak had an accident with Johnny Ray. Okay. It's a way to make the standings a little more interesting. Bautista is now uh, leading the points by 18 over Johnny Ray. Toprak is in third, giving up a lot of uh, ground right now. Locatelli, Kralakwona, they're within nine points of each other, third to fifth. Michael Rubinaldi is sixth. Garrett Gerloff is 11th in points going into the next round, which will be in the Algarve here um, coming up in a few weeks' time. Uh, it'll be in the or Estoril, actually, on May 20th through 22nd. So it'll be a few weeks' time before we get the World Superbikes coming back. Rally Croatia is, we see Rally Croatia, Saw Cali Rovampera win by, what is it, how many? like to see where, no, so that's what it is. So Cali Rovampera won by 4.3 seconds over Otanek. And Thierry Neuville was two, what is it, I don't see how that is, 16.7 seconds or, I don't know, two hours and 21 that can't be, or three minutes, or two minutes and 21 seconds, give me two minutes, two minutes and 21 seconds back in third, Craig Breen fourth, Efren Evans in fifth, Katsuya sixth, and then uh, I'm trying to look at some of the other people there, uh, Sean Johnston, American driver, finished um, 19th, uh, okay, yeah, Oliver Solberg got knocked out in an accident in stage nine, so, yeah, so Toyota wins over Hyundai, two Hyundais. The first Ford was fourth. Toyota then takes up two more spots 
in the fifth and sixth. The Rally 2 winner finished seventh. Citroen and then four Skodas. Stefan Lefrabe. I wonder if that name seemed familiar. So that was Rally Croatia, the standings. Rovampera has two wins on the trot. Uh, they're 29 points out of Thierry Neuville, former world champion. Craig Breen, third. Sebastian Loeb uh, won the first race of the year, and he'll be back at Rally Portugal for Ford, so that'll be interesting to see what he can do. Uh, nine-time world champion, world rally there. Moto America was at Road Atlanta this past weekend. Um, I have to go and bring that up. America. I just sent uh, you the results there. Okay. And, uh, yeah, thank you for that. Uh, yeah. So in, that's, okay, the results for the Moto America Superbikes. I don't know why the calendar details, details, details. Bring that up. Go through that. Nice website. I gotta, I gotta say, for Moto America and the great legendary Wayne Rainey, it's a nice, it's a good website. Uh, A lot of good information. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's not a flashy website, but you know, at least, um, at least the information there is pretty accessible. Like other yeah. websites, like IMSA later on. Oh yeah, the yeah, and we're going on for a while, and it's my fault because trying to keep track of all of this. I, I mean, I, I all I want to do is just give you the race results and trying to go and oh, there you go. That's I just I just the Eureka moment just took place. Um, Moto America's Superbikes, the race one results. Uh, fast while well, they go and break it down, starting great results. Danilo Petrucci won the first race at uh, Road Atlanta over Matthew Schultz. Jake Lewis was third. Hector Barbara fourth. Richie Escalante fifth. Kyle Lyman, who gets to go and go and make love to Hannah Lopa for the rest of his life. So God bless him. Um, Corey Alexander seventh. Hayden Gillum eighth. Ashton Yates. Uh, riding in BMW, uh, and uh, the son of Aaron Yates, former rider for Team Twenty Three in Worlds in Superbikes back in the day. Then Travis Wyman uh, make up the top ten. Ezra Bobier, the little brother of Cameron Bobier, finished twelfth. Then you have team riders that weren't classified. That includes the defending champion Jake Gagne and his teammate Cameron Peterson. So both Yamahas fell out of the race, which is pretty bad. Um, in regards to race two, it went diff- much different. Uh, the results saw Jake Gagne go and get a win over his teammate, Cameron Peterson, and then Kyle Wyman get on the podium. Hector Barber and Richie Escalante round out the top five. Corey Alexander, Ashton Yates, Travis Wyman, David Anthony, Jeff May make up your top 10. Matthew Schultz, uh, DNF'd along with Jake Lewis, Hayden Gillum, Ezra Bobier, but then Danilo Petrucci blew up on the first lap. So the first real blip in the uh, season for uh, 
the for the former MotoGP rider Danilo Petrucci happened this weekend um, at at Road Atlanta. But you know, considering how many points he had, the points he has, um, what he's done so far, it's not that big of a deal. Petrucci is still got a fifteen point lead on Matthew Schultz. Cameron Peterson is third. Barbara fourth. Richie Escalante fifth. Um, Jake Gagne needed that win. Um, he is right now 34 points out of the of the lead. And uh, it's close between from Barbara to Jake Lewis in seventh is only 10 points. So uh, it's still a lot to ride, ride for here. Um, many races to go as we go along. Um, you know, they had Texas, what was it at? Oh, at Coda. Yeah. And then rode Atlanta. Yeah. Danilo Petrucci got the double. He'd won the first three races and then he blew up in the fourth race. Um, Matthew Schultz won, finished second in the first three races and then fell out of the fourth race. Cameron Peterson finished third, the first race at Coda. I think finished fourth in the second race, fell out, and then finished second in the second race at Road Atlanta. Gagne um, had or third, yeah, that's fourth, yeah. So, or I guess that's a yeah, that's a third actually. And then Jake Gagne had a third in the second race at Coda, and then he has a win here in the second race at Road Atlanta. That's his points haul so far. Uh, this season a lot to go on here they'll be racing at vir here in the next few weeks then road america the ridge in pittsburgh they'll be racing at um they call uh, laguna seca um the old uh was it brainerd international raceway uh, the ridge i forget the ridge is then you have yeah, New Jersey and Alabama. Getting into uh, you've got Moto America, British touring cars at Donington Park raced there last weekend. The results of the first race of the year at Donington Park uh, saw Tom Ingram win race one over Colin Turkington, Jake Hill, Gordon Shen, and Ashley Sutton in the top five. Race two, Gordon Shedd and Tom Ingram, Ingram, George Gamble, Adam Morgan, and Josh Cook. Ash Sutton was sixth. And then in race three, Jay Kill, Ash Sutton, Josh Cook, Daniel Lloyd, Tom Ingram. The points as they go to Brands Hatch Indy here in a few weeks' time. Tom Ingram has a six-point lead on Jake Hill, eight points on the former multiple-time British Touring Car champion Jordan Shedden, Gordon Shedden in third, Ash Sutton fourth, Josh Cook fifth, tied with Adam Morgan. So that's what we'll look at as we go on early in this season. Jason Plato, multiple British Touring Car champion, is in 15th. Tom Chilton is in 16th. Um, a lot of guys, Nick, Nicholas Hamilton, of course, the brother, uh, little brother of Lewis Hamilton is racing in the British touring cars. Um, Ollie Jackson, a bunch of people that didn't 19 guys scored points so far 
to start the year amongst the three races, but then you still have nine guys that haven't scored. So we'll see what happens at Brands Hatch Indy. NHRA raced at Houston Raceway Park for the last time, um, which saw, you know, uh, Camry Caruso qualified on pole for in pro race. Another woman, Eric Enders, did um, at home. It's a home game for her. Goes and throws the first pitch at the assholes game uh, since she's an asshole too. And then she goes and wins a race. Uh, Steve Johnson won in Pro Stock Motorcycle, first win of the year for him. Matt Hagen for Tony Stewart Racing gets his second win of the year. And Brittany Force gets her second win of the year in Top Fuel in the Monster Energy Flavor Pack. Um, John Force Racing Top Fuel uh, Dragster trying to get that second championship after um, a few years here. That would be something. Also bring it up. And then they're going to be racing this weekend at Charlotte for the Charlotte four wide. So that'll be, um, and then after this weekend's race, there'll be some gaps. It'll be a couple weeks still for Richmond. And a couple weeks after that will be New Hampshire. There'll be two week breaks between races. So they have the back to back Houston and then Charlotte four wide. And then the schedule kind of spreads out a little bit. They'll have another back-to-back Bristol and uh, Norwalk before the Western Swing. Um, Trying to bring up the results here at the Spring Nationals. Yeah, Brittany Forrest, Matt Hagen, Eric Andrews, Steve Johnson, uh, Joey Severance, one top alcohol dragster, Doug Gordon, one top alcohol funny car. Jess Nashley lost to Brittany Force in Top Fuel. And Matt Hagen beat Bobby Bodie for the win there. And Eric Enders beats Camry Caruso uh, in Pro Stock for that win. And Matt Steve Johnson beats Matt Smith, who's riding a Suzuki now. Um, and he brought his wheel, he'd heard a Suzuki. Oh, okay. That's interesting. So Matt Smith, who had switched to Suzuki, a defending champion, had um, hurt the motor and um, had to bring out his Buell to try and win. He ran 200 miles an hour in that run, um, had the whole shot, but uh, didn't have the pace um, elapsed time-wise to be able to hold up against Steve Johnson, the former um the former uh, two-time winner of the U.S. Nationals there, Steve Johnson, who's never um, won a championship, has been close, and he got close last year. So there is that. IMSA will be at Laguna Seca this weekend um, for the first uh, sprint race of the year, the first two-hour, 40-minute race, I mean. And then um, you go and bring all that up. The entry list for the Hyundai Monterey Sports Car Championship sees uh, six DPIs, six LMP2s, and then 20 GTD cars, six in the pro category and 14 in the GTD class. Uh, what is it? Two Acuras versus four Cadillacs. Their last race winner was Renger Van de Zandt and Sebastian Bourdais. Winners of the 12 Hours of Sebring was Earl Bamber and Alex Lynn. 
So the two um, Ganassi Cadillac cars up there, Tristan Vautier, Richard Westbrook for J.D.C. Miller, Ricky Taylor, Philippe Albuquerque uh, for Konica Minolta, Acura trying to get momentum here. Um, tough start to the year for them. Pippo Durrani, Tristan Nunez, Whalen Engineering, Cadillac defending champions, wanting to go and get themselves on the board. And then the Rolex 24 winners, uh, Oliver Jarvis, Tom Blomquist, Meyer Shank Racing, Auto Nation, Acura. The Dragon Speed uh, 81 will have Henrik Henman and Juan Pablo Montoya. Uh, he's before he's doing his prep before he gets to Indianapolis because he's going to be driving for McLaren there in the third car. Then you have um, six part of the LMP2 category there. John Ferrano, Louis Delatraz, Stephen for Tower Motorsport. Pierre One Matheson has two cars, 11 with Stephen Thomas, John bon- Jonathan Bomarito. And then the 52, Josh Pearson, Patrick Kelly. Dwight Merriman, Ryan DL for Aero Motorsport. And then the high class racing number 20, Dennis Anderson, Anders Forbach. Um, GTD Bro has one Chevy. One Porsche with FAF Motorsports, the Corvette, Garcia, and Jordan Taylor. The Vassar Sullivan, Lexus, Hawksworth, and Barnacote. Harder, the usual suspects, Paul Miller's, BMW, Brian Sellers, Madison Snow. Montecalvo and Tealitz for Lexus. Hardwick and Halen for Wright. Roman DeAngelis, Maxim Martin for Aston Martin. Matt, the Hard Racing, Allegro Motorsports, Michael DeCasada and Daniel Morad and Mercedes, Mike Skeen, Stephen McAleer, the Korthoff, Mercedes, Kyle Washington, James Sophronis for GMG. Of course, it's a California race, so James Sophronis is going to be there. Uh, two bronze drivers, so we'll see if they can get uh, a result out of it. McGinnis, Westfall, Carbon, Lamborghini, Marco Holzer, Jaden Conright, N-T-E-S-S-R, Lamborghini, Russell Ward, Philip Ellis, the Windward Racing Mercedes, Brendan Uribe, Frederick Shandorf, Inception, McLaren, Robbie Foley, Bill Oberlin, Eternal Motorsports, BMW, and Rob Ferriol, Catherine Legg, Hardpoint, Porsche. Not making any picks because I've got way more to do. Supercars at Barbagello, Wanneroo Raceway, going into... This weekend's race, it's been a, a basically a Shane Van Gisbergen uh, benefit so far. He's got a 118-point lead on Anton B. De Pasquale. Chaz Moster is third, Will Davison's fourth, and Brock Feeney is fifth. Um, you know, so we'll see what happens with that. Brock Feeney, of course, is uh, the teammate that took over for... Jamie Winch Cup in uh, the second car, the 88 car. So that's something to look at in regards to that team, the Red Bull team, team or Triple Eight team, um, how that'll work out. Um, after that, they'll go to Winton, then Darwin. Uh, we'll see what the Supercars series can go and do if they'll, if a shorter track. We'll be able to give opportunity to the Ford teams, but I doubt the second race at Saudi and um, otherwise. 
So it's it's a basically five driver race right now, eleven points between Vern, Fryens, Van Dorn, Evans, Mortara, Lauderer sixth, Verline seven, Nick DeVries, the defending world champion in eighth, DeGrassi, former champion ninth, Jake Dennis tenth, Antonio Felix da Casa, former another champion, is in twelfth. Oliver Askew is seventeenth in points. Uh there are four drivers that haven't scored points this year, Tictum, Sims, Sergio, Sete Camara, and Antonio Giovinazzi, which isn't that shocking. Um, going into this weekend's Monaco Ypres, then they'll be going to Germany after that uh, for a doubleheader, the Berlin Ypres, then Jakarta in Indonesia. The Vancouver race is canceled, so there will be more than a month between um, the race at Jakarta and then the New York City pre and London at Seoul to end the year there. Uh, the last thing we'll go over in the roundup is the DTM and getting into Felipe Friday, Driver and Nico Muller. Then you have GRT Grasser, with Delita, Schmidt, Inkjolein, Mirko Badalotti, and Group M, they're showing other people. Schubert Motorsport, BMWs, Philip Bang, and Sheldon Vanderlinde, the two factory BMW rider drivers. Esme Hockey and Nikki Team. That'll be, um, I guess, Aston Martin Team, I guess. Um, the App Sports Line Team with Kelvin Vanderlinde, Rene Rass, Ricardo Feller. Walken Horse Motorsport with BMWs, Esteban Muth, Marco Wittmann, and then uh, Windward, which will be Mercedes with Maximilian Goetz and Lucas Auer. So other people there. So yeah, two, I think there's two women drivers because I think, uh, I forget what's her name. I follow her on Instagram. Uh, she's the one that tried to eat it at, um, at the, uh, whatever that, a race in Hong Kong. She she tried to eat it there. I have to bring it up here, Josh. Just give me a second. I'm gonna go um, find her. You've had a break, so I just need to find her. Sophia Florsch. There you go. Sophia Florsch. I think she's driving this year. Uh, they didn't say anything. Uh, Vanderlyn's Rast DTM return. Loeb's DTM entry. Van Tour Porsche. Being DTM like any other customer program. Rass says there's 20 drivers leading. Well, they had testing like three weeks ago. Smash and Loeb um, ran for, I brought that up. And then Nico Muller. Yeah, so Alessandro Delito's next to last, which is probably where he's going to be most of the time. Yeah, David Schumacher. He had yeah, Nico Muller. Led over Merkabalotti, Marius Zug, that's a name, Rene Ras, Mikhail Grenier, Mauro Engel, Maximilian Gotts, Nikki Team, Marco Wittmann, Philip Eng. So, kind of fitting the narrative there. The Cassidy and Loeb shared a AF course of Ferrari there. Uh, something. Arjun Miney uh, was actually driving HRT Mercedes. So, um, interesting we'll see what happens we'll go and bring all that up next week on the gsp i'm gonna give uh josh 
the floor here. I've been talking for way too long. IndyCar at Baba coming up uh, this weekend. Um, Joseph Newgarden has done a lot of work there in his career amongst other people, but really um, in in regards to IndyCar at Barber Motorsports Park, it's really been uh, a Joseph Newgarden uh, type of track, but Alex Pillow went there and won his first career race uh, last year. So Newgarden is a three-time winner there. Ryan Hunter Ray won two races. Will Powers won there twice. Simon Pagano's won there once. Elio Castroneves has won there once. So Penske, three or five, six, seven wins at the racetrack. Uh, Takuma Sato won for Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan. So the last two years have been Honda, but generally a Penske racetrack. Uh, what are you looking at, Josh, in regards to this weekend's race and picks and the whole bit? I'm uh, going to give you the floor here for a moment, a few moments. Yeah, sure. I mean, I think for this race uh, coming up at Barber, I think the story is this, can Joseph Newgarden go out and win a third consecutive race in a row he's already won two in a row and they've made mention of the fact that when he last time he won two in a row he went out and won the championship in uh 2017 so if he's able to do something like that go three in a row that sets himself up well for uh month of may at indianapolis at the road course and then on the oval at uh, ims and could set him up well for the championship and then i think on you know the flip side you have uh scott mclaughlin had a great start to the year but then at long beach uh they didn't run really well uh you know they finished outside of the top 10 uh in that race uh in 14th uh they you know didn't really have a you know a whole lot to show on a street course which um they thought they you know were going to be good at uh this year but uh, now is running the first uh, road circuit of the year, so uh, a little bit of a test there for McLaughlin if he can uh, recover from that and go into um, go into this Grand Prix. And uh, so, anyways, the uh, Scott McLaughlin, you know, he's had a good start to the year, but you know, first blemish, of course, at at uh, um, Long Beach, and now going here to Barber, can he go out and uh, recover from that? Uh, so we'll see what happens there for, um, you have two sides of Penske, one hot, one that was hot and maybe getting cold. And then of course, Alex Pillow, who was up there at Long Beach as well, uh, with, with, uh, Joseph Newgarden, um, it, he's had a pretty good start to the year as well. Uh, can he go out and defend his win from last year, uh, with, uh, the 10 car in, in this race, uh, and, you know, get himself into championship contention, so uh, at least uh, you know show up and say that he's there uh, to compete in this championship, uh, which you know hasn't won a race quite yet. So get get that first uh, race win uh, for Chip Ganassi Racing uh, there, of course. And uh, I think other drivers to talk about uh, Scott Dixon. Uh, he hasn't uh, done you know as well quite as well as this year. He's kind of been. Uh, a little bit under the radar, but now uh, going out to Barber, uh, can he make his mark uh, along with his teammate Alex Pelot? Um So that's that's something to look out for uh, there. Uh, Roman Grosjean finished second at Long Beach, um, finished fifth at 
St. Petersburg. Uh, Andretti's not normally strong at Barber. You know, they've kind of acknowledged that they're not really all that great uh, at Barber Motorsports Park, but uh, they could, you know, Roman Grosjean has done pretty well in recent uh, races, uh, going back to uh, last year when he was with uh, Rick Ware Racing and uh, uh, Dale Coyne Racing. So uh, can he come out at Barber and, and compete for uh, points and compete for um, you know the podium and you know possibly a race win. He's uh, knocking right on the door for a uh, race victory in this uh, series. So get his first win at Barber Motorsports Park would uh, definitely be uh, pretty exciting there. Uh, McLaren, you know, Pato Award uh, didn't have the greatest start to the year so far. Twelfth uh, at St. Petersburg and then fifteenth at uh, Texas and then. Uh, finally got a good finish fifth place at long beach uh can he uh continue the positive momentum from long beach and uh turn around his season uh from where he started uh, that's uh something to look out for uh then you know colton herda of course um ran well at uh st petersburg and then long beach uh, of course we know he hit the wall reminiscent of his thing at uh nashville can he go out and uh come out here and finish uh pretty well at or have a good race at uh, at Barber. So uh, a lot of drivers here, you know, have a lot on the line, uh, to compete in this race. Um, it's going to be interesting to see the, the front runners in this championship. We know, uh, the front runners are right now, of course, Newgarden, McLaughlin, and Pelot, um, even Will Power, uh, who's quietly been flying under the radar. I feel like this year, um, can they compete in this championship, uh, in, in this race? And, uh, we'll see who, who can win, I guess. And, and, define uh, or has put their mark on the season so far and you know potentially uh, put their stake uh, in the championship and of course you know jimmy johnson uh spun out a couple of times here last year in this race and um so far as i mean we, we we've seen better from him on the road courses but you know this this race uh this was his debut race last year in Indy cars. Uh, so going back here for a second time, uh, you know, basically a one year anniversary of his debut in Indy car. Can he, uh, got in this race and at least finish in mid pack. So, you know, a, a lot to talk about in this race and, you know, a lot of storylines, uh, to go over, uh, for sure. Uh, coming up at Baba, as you like to say. Yeah. I mean, who are you looking at to win? I mean, I think for me, I'm, I'm going to go with the hot hand here and go with Newgarden, uh, you know, go chalk, I guess, and pick him to go three in a row in the series. Win $100,000 if he does that because of the, I forget who the heck's doing there, doing the deal there. If you win, they they were, they had a deal for if you win X amount of races in a, in, in a this to start the year, if you win three in a row there, they'll win 100000 It would be his fourth win at Baba. As greatly Diffie would say, um, I mean, he brought up Scott Dixon. He's never won there either. Uh, St. Pete and Barber, two of the only tracks that Scott Dixon hasn't won at. Um, can he finally get through that? Uh, set his season up to try to win number seven. That uh, that seven championship. Seven is a big number in regards to championships in motorsports. Obviously, NASCAR. There's three champions, including his teammate. Uh, Formula One, there's two, uh, seven championships. I mean, it's more in NHRA when you consider John Force and you know, Warren Johnson, Bob Glidden, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, there's so many um, great champions there. 
you know, you think about the rally championship, the Sebastians, uh, Loeb has nine. I think OGA has seven. So, I mean, that's the thing. Seven's a number. And so Dixon wants to get there. He's one of the greatest ever. Um, can he go and get the win at Baba uh, to go and really set this year off? And when you look at the month of May, you have the road course, as you mentioned. You have double points at the Indianapolis 500. You have qualifying points for winning the pole at the Indianapolis 500. There's there's a whole lot that can come from this next month uh, if you can if you can really put one together if you can get hot um, it could be huge and then that's momentum because the fact is Indy 500 leads in a Detroit doubleheader then you have Road America so that if you can run a heater from Indianapolis 500 on. You could really set yourself up to win this championship. New Garden's up by five points on McLaughlin. Pelot's 15 points back. I mean, you're talking about um, a very close battle right now. The I don't know why that brought up Peacock. Um, bringing up the yeah, event detail. They haven't posted the spotter guide or the race recap on their great website. Um, I mean, for me... When it comes to the Indy cars right now, looking at this season, I, I mean Penske has dominated so far, but when is when when is Honda going to show up? When is um, I mean Pelo, of course, has an average of four finish, so he's up there, but he and he has two podiums so far this year. Can he defend his, his win there from last year? Dixon is in fifth, six point three average finish. Um, but what what can he do? Uh, you brought up Roman Grosjean, and he's due for a win, uh, be a big win for Andretti Autosport. They're not exactly um, at their highest point right now. Colton Hurd has struggled. Even though he has a pole, he hasn't had the year that he probably wants to have to start this season considering the momentum and other stuff going on in regards to his Formula 1 exploits. Same for Pato Award. Two guys that are probably going to Formula One or want to go to Formula One haven't had great starts of the year. Um, when it comes to the Ganassi, three regulars, they're in the all in the top eight, but they haven't had the results they probably want to really make anything really make anything happen. I think a Honda wins this race. I'm gonna go and pick Alex Pillow. I wanted to pick Scott Dixon. I, you know what? I'll pick Scott Dixon. Scott Dixon finally goes and wins at Barber. Yeah, the Iceman. Uh, and the Iceman goes and gets one. The Iceman cometh uh, at Baba, uh, beats Penske at a track that they've dominated at. I think Pelot's going to have a good weekend as well, be able to cut into that points lead, and that will lead into, so you'll have the Penske-Ganassi narrative going to the Indy Road Course uh, in a few weeks' time. Uh, my Dark Horse. First pick, I don't know if you have one, Josh. I'm going to throw one out there myself. Dark horse pick for me, I'm going to go and hedge. You know what? I'll go Kyle Kirkwood because I'm a mark. Um, I'll hedge for Kyle Kirkwood. He has experience there. He's won, he's won everywhere in in his lower formulas career. So um, would be a place, I mean, A.J. Foyt racing is one on-road courses, 
with Takuma Sato and the past, and um, there they have pace. He showed that pace at Texas. He had pace at Long Beach, finishing the top ten. It's a permanent road course. Be an opportunity. They have three cars, of course, this weekend. Albeit the other two cars are useless, but uh, Kyle Kirkwood, the experience keeps on building. Be an opportunity to see another top ten finish there um, at Barber. How about you? Uh, I think for me, a dark horse, I'm go with uh, Felix Rosenquist. I feel like his track might be a track Good that one. suits him well, so go with him. He's a guy. He has that Ganassi experience, and you know you're at you're at the McLaren team when he's on, and you know everything kind of is setting up right. Felix Rosenquist is is a really fast driver. He did in Formula E. He's done it in lower formulas in Europe. He's done it here. Give him a car. It's kind of he's like Valtteri Bottas. I think in a lot of ways Rosenquist is like Valtteri Bottas. If you put him. I think he would be perfect at Dale Coyne instead of one of these bigger efforts. He would be a guy that he would bring the team up. You kind of see his personality, whatever. He'd be able to do things. I think it's why he did so well at Mahindra in Formula E because they're very more more of a family effort, closer knit, instead of the whole factory, big business deal. Um, I think that's part of the reason why they're with Chase too, but – but that's a good pick. I like I like the Rosenquist pick. Uh, the pressure is on his teammate who has Formula One aspirations, considering what Daniel Ricciardo's doing, and you know, like Andretti Autosport. I didn't pick like Grosjean, but Colton Herta has a lot of pressure on him. It's a good opportunity there. We'll see what happens with that here, and we'll talk about it next week on the GSP. Next, we'll talk about Dover a lot. A lot of racing there at Dover, triple header, Dover Motor Speedway. They'll be running the um, the three races will be running there. Um, or no, or not two. I said three races. It'll be two races. So it'll be um, Xfinity. They'll have K&N. They'll have K&N racing there this weekend. But whatever. Who cares? Uh, they'll run the Xfinity Series on Saturday. At Dover, the A game 200. This coming weekend, they don't have a entry list up yet. Doesn't look like. So that's kind of hard because we're doing this earlier in the week than we usually would. I'll be doing that early. So if you actually want to go to a race and get home at a reasonable time, you have to go to an Xfinity race. Um, I'll uh, start here in regards to... Uh, the racing right now for who do I look at to win the race on uh, Saturday afternoon? I'm going to go with somebody that hasn't won. I'm going to go with Josh Berry. Uh, he needs the win to, I mean, I, I mean, he's not going to miss the playoffs, but I think Josh Berry goes and gets a dub at uh, Dover this weekend, tames the monster. Him and Allgaier are two guys I think that would be up there anyway. Uh, wild card pick for me would be um, wild card pick for me. It's it's tough because Dover is a tough racetrack to really go and look at certain people, certain things. Like you need to have. I'll go Alfredo. He's a Northeast guy, fast pasta. Your boy, um, Josh, because of. 
the the iRacing and the sim game. I mean, uh, I don't know who made that. I think uh, I think Kurt Busch went and threw out the fast pasta reference uh, during the Xfinity broadcast. Um, he's been the best of the three cars at our motorsports this year. But then I also think that helps. It helps when he has Pat Trison, who's a great crew chief who's been in this sport forever and has experience with some of the legends like Mark Martin and battling for cup series championships and the whole bit. I think that's part of the reason why that team has been a little better than the O2 car and the 27 car uh, so far this year. What are you looking at in regards to the Xfinity race here on Saturday for a winner and um, dark horse? Yeah, I think for me, you know, you went with Junior Motorsports going with Josh Berry and, you know, I'm going to go with his teammate, uh, Justin Algar. Uh He's ran pretty well here at Dover in the past. He's uh, always seems to be up front uh, when it comes to racing at Dover and, uh, in, you know, Junior Motorsports car. So go ahead and pick the teammate, the guy with the uh, minus one number, uh, number seven, Justin Algar to win this race. And uh, I think for me, a uh, wild card pick, you know, I'm going to go with uh, Ryan Sieg. Uh, he's always, uh, always kind of you know hanging around there in a you know the top fifteen, top ten. So uh, he always knows how to bring it home in a uh, clean piece uh, for the most part. And uh, always, even though he's got a small team, uh, they they figure out how to bring it home in one piece. So uh, that's what I'm going to go with uh, for a wild card pick this week. And it is his sponsor. A game is his one of his sponsors. So it would be a good place for him to go and get that first win. Him and Cowboy Starlin, they have a good effort going on there. Um, they have, I think they have Stuart Haas uh, help in regards to their program as well. It'd probably be a good spot for them to go and give them the help to go and get that win to solidify their spot in the playoffs. Um, they helped Cole Custer with the SS Greenlight team get that win. I know uh, Chase is going to be racing once this year for them at least, but I figure considering their circumstances, you're probably going to want to have him or Custer uh, run more, but we'll see about that. The Cup Series race will be the Duramax Drydeen 400. They'll be practicing on Saturday morning, which is part of why you should go on Saturday. Uh, you'll get practice and qualifying for for the uh, Cup Series. You'll get a race for the Xfinity Series. You also, yeah, and the practice and qualifying will be on Friday during the um, ARCA East Series deal, so... You want to go up on Saturday, that's the day to go. If you're a Northeast person, if I was a, if I was still willing to go, that's when I'd go. I'd go on Saturday. I wouldn't go on Sunday because you have to get up there, ass crack of dawn to wait for a 320 start. And that race won't end until near 7 o'clock. You have to wait an hour plus to get out of the track. And then it would be a four-hour drive. So it's not a good deal. But... In regards to picks and thoughts of, in regards to or this weekend's race, I'll uh, throw to you, Josh. Who are you looking at 
for this weekend uh, at Dover. Yeah, well, it's a it's a tough pick right now because um, you know this race last year there wasn't a whole lot of passing uh, throughout the field. Uh, it was not a very competitive race, and really the only like passing for the lead came out on uh, what was it the first uh, first lap, you know, or not first lap of the the pit stops. Uh, Kyle Larson, Alex Bowman, and then Bowman just happened to have a good pit stop and win, you know, won the race there. Yeah. So not a whole lot happened in that context. So what I'm looking at is probably uh, a different race this time because it seems like this car is going to behave differently on this track. Um, so I'm still going to go Hendrick though. I'll I'll just pick Kyle Larson to win. Um, He's probably due for a little bit of a turnaround. Um, he finished fifth at Talladega, but uh, other than that, it's been a little bit cold recently. But uh, could you know another win could uh, turn it around for him? So it's definitely possible. Um, we'll see what happens. Um, if we can get the the high line to uh, come in in this track, which we've seen before, but it seems like in recent times it hasn't been like that. Um, but it, if you know get the high line to come in, uh, at least work in a, a second groove. Uh, that would be interesting to uh, watch here, but um, we'll see what happens because um, th- this track probably is a bit uh, big, a you know, kind of an unknown. Um, you know, if we had Bristol, if it were still on concrete, we may have had a better idea because that's the other concrete track uh, that exists on the Cup schedule. Um, but since we don't have that, this is kind of a wild card race right now, even though. Uh, Dover, you know, in the past has been quite boring. So uh, we'll see what happens uh, with this next-gen debut at uh, Dover here on Sunday. Yeah, I hope they're able to lay rubber down on their track uh, during whether it's the K&N series and then the Xfinity series. Hopefully the weather holds up. I would bring up the weather. Uh, I can do it right now. Dover, Delaware. Yeah, there you go. Um, I mean, the point is the weekend is going to be clear. Temperatures are within reason for this time of year, which is basically the end of April, early 1st of May versus when they used to run, which was the week after the Coca-Cola 600. So you're giving a month. It would be a lot warmer. If they're able to lay rubber down, I think this car is going to be able I and I honestly, I mean, Byron when he actually had a little personality and spoke on a microphone, he's saying this car is going to be really good there. I'm hoping he's right. He's a sim guy, uh, eye racing guy. If you're able to make the high line work, if you're able to make that wall work, this track is is insanely good. Um, you have multiple grooves. When you talk about restarts, it could be really, really good. I, I have high hopes I mean, SMI is going to close this track anyway, but as somebody who comes from this area and it's a very close drive for me, if this car can do something the way it has in other places, it might keep Dover open. Um, We need tracks here in the Northeast. The fact that there's a bias towards the Northeast is BS. Um, There's so many places they go to that suck and they have two races you need to go and stay around. If you're going to do one race weekend, that's fine. But don't bury them in a bad spot. I think if Dover was back in their June spot after the 600, it would be a little f- more of a fair shake than where they are right now. It's kind of similar to Richmond. I think you need to move Richmond a little further back towards like May 
uh, right before the 600. Then you have the 600. Then you have Dover. Dang, it'd be fair. Pocono's in July now, so that's fine. Um, in regards to the pick for this week, I'm going to pick Clyde. Uh, you picked Kyle Larson. I'm going to pick Clyde. He's won there uh, before I was there when he won. Uh, one of the times uh, I was there recently, he won. So Clyde hasn't won yet this year. He's a points leader, overall points leader uh, over his buddy YRB. It'd be good for him in regards to trying to go and get that second championship, uh, considering Byron's already got two wins. Bowman's got a win. Larson's got a win. When is Clyde going to get a win? He'll go and get that win on Sunday. Um, in regards to a wild card pick for me, I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Daniel Suarez because I feel like I think I'm going to be picking Daniel Suarez a lot here in the next few weeks until that happens. I think whether it's manifesting it, not because of who his girlfriend is. The fact is Daniel Suarez is a person and his driving ability, he's due for a win. His teammate has two wins. You look at the trajectory of track house racing. You're talking about teams like Petty GMS with Eric Jones getting up there and being able to compete with Dave, him and Dave Ellens. The the fact that uh, Ross Chastain has two wins, even the even the colleague team, even though they can't pass inspection, um, they have fast race cars. Suarez is due. They if he gets this win, him and uh, Tyler Reddick are the next two guys that are going to win a race, and I think both of them are going to win a race here in this next month or six weeks, something like that. You know, the six hundred is a place where you get the first time winner. Um, you know, you got Darlington, it's not really, but Dover here, the 600, as we're getting into this next few weeks stretch, uh, it, it's an opportunity and Suarez is somebody that I look at to, um, pick one off here soon because he's a good enough driver. He's got his head on the shoulders. He's a good guy. People, the LCD doesn't want to deal with him. Fuck him. He can do the job. He won an Xfinity Championship. Um, Roy Rage quit, and um, Daniel Suarez took his spot, but he wasn't ready, fully ready to take care of that. And Joe Gibbs ran him out the door the way he ran Joey Logano out the door. Um, so we'll see what happens with that. Um, uh, let's go with – let's get into the NFL draft, man. Um, I'll uh, – you have the number one overall pick. Your your team has the number one overall pick. Is it is it going to be an edge on the defense? Is it going to be an offensive tackle? Are you going to trade out of the number one overall pick? I, it, this is another one to give to you because the Niners are going to be drafting. They're they're probably not going to get any capital to get into to, in Thursday's round. They're going to be in the second round, and they're probably drafting Alex Mack's replacement based on what everything came through uh, John Lynch's press conference. Uh, they won't be drafting his safety, which is a problem. But maybe they can sign Tyron Matthew on a good deal. For But what are you guys going to do? What are you feeling, Josh? Well, I mean, the, it seems like 
this week, the betting odds have flipped from Aiden Hutchinson going number one overall to uh, Trayvon Walker, or Trayvon Walker, however you say his name, going uh, first overall. Seems like uh, Trent Baalke wants uh, Trayvon Walker, defensive end from Georgia, uh, but then owner Shad Khan wants Aiden Hutchinson, uh, defensive end from Michigan. Uh, I mean, if I honestly, if I had my pick, I think I'd go Trayvon Walker. I mean, didn't have the, all the stats, I guess, but uh, he's definitely a very productive player uh, in Georgia, very athletic. Um, yeah, he doesn't doesn't have quite the, I guess, uh, traits that uh, Hutchinson does, or at least, you know, you know, he hasn't proven himself as much, but uh, I feel like, you know, he has better potential. And that's why you draft people number one is because um, they, uh, you feel like they're good enough, like, even if they didn't have the production that they project to be a great player uh, at the NFL. Uh, so Yeah, I mean, same way as... Uh, Trent Baalke took Alden Smith over a bunch of guys that are still in the league right and now. He was good. He just, you know, he was good. He just uh, got himself out. Had of Had a drug and, problem. Yeah. Yeah. Alki. Yeah. So, you know, the, uh, that stuff aside, I mean, he was a good player. Just couldn't last in the league, but, um, Trayvon Walker, we'll see what happens. If they pick him, uh, you know, that'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, we need we need a Saxonville back. Uh, that's the Jaguars, uh, kind of their identity, I guess. You know, go go look at the '90s, uh, the mid 2000s. You know, they uh, part of their identity was having uh, good defense. So, good defense. You know, came back 2017 and was kind of there 2018, 2019, but it hasn't really been there since. And they need a player uh, that can complement Josh Allen. Um, and I think Trayvon Walker is that guy. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson maybe could also. Uh, compliment Josh Allen, but um, I just, I, I don't know how he will, I mean, I think he'll project fine, but I just think, you know, you take the guy that has the bigger, the bigger potential, and that's what I, that's what I think, and I just, I'm not too high on Hutchinson, and I mean, I'll be okay if they pick him, but, you know, it's not as the exciting pick, I guess. I mean, if they go offense, it's probably going to be Evan Neal tackle, um, but we'll see what happens there, because they, you know, they just franchised uh, uh, Cam Robinson, and then they've got. I, I think they could replace Jaywan Taylor, uh, right tackle, but we'll see what happens there because uh, he didn't have a really great uh, 2021 or 2020. So, uh, a lot of ways they could go there for the number one overall pick. And then uh, day two, uh, pick number 33. I'm not going to go in the whole draft, but just the first few picks because those are pretty significant. But uh, I expect they could probably going to draft a wide receiver uh, for number 33, which is going to be interesting because. Uh, Trent Baalke does not really have a good history picking wide receivers. Uh, so, uh, the wide receivers that he was responsible uh, for picking as general manager just haven't worked out yet. Uh, and it hasn't really, uh, been successful there, but we'll see because it's definitely still a need Jaguars. They signed Christian Kirk signed, uh, Zay Jones in the off season at wide receiver, but they still need that guy that can compete on the outside and, uh, take you know take away not really like take away defense but like um be able to compete and fight for the ball on the outside because marvin jones he's definitely a um possession receiver someone that's going to benefit from uh the defense having to cover guys like christian kirk and whoever they pick uh to be their other guy so we'll see what happens there but uh, i think yeah it's probably gonna be trayvon walker and then uh wide receiver uh at number 33 so those are my expectations i guess and 
hopefully the Jaguars are able to come out of this draft better uh, and fill most of their needs uh, for you know their team and rebuilding this team after uh, 2020, and then of course uh, kind of getting back to where what we thought they might what what they thought they might have looked like in 2021 uh, if it weren't for Urban Meyer and his incompetence. Yeah, it's something where that division is is somewhat wide open when you consider uh, you know Indianapolis with Matt Ryan. You don't know what he has left. They've been going through quarterbacks ever since um, Andrew Luck's uh, surprise retirement. Um, Tennessee, they they have a good team. Chris Derrick Henry, they have a lot of good players, and Mike Vrabel, the coach of the year. But there, it's not exactly it's not exactly a given that you know Indianapolis, Tennessee are going to win. And I mean Houston, they're the drizzling shits, but. You know, they have a quarterback in Davis Mills, serviceable. Um, they have Lovey Smith, a coach that's made the Super Bowl. I think the only reason they hired him is because to go and fit the whole um, thing to cover themselves for the fact that they probably wanted to hire Josh McCown for the second year in a row. But, you know, in the case of Jacksonville Jaguars, they should have hired Byron Leftwich, they didn't want to hire him because Shad Khan wasn't willing to fire Trent Balky. Doug Peterson is like, well, I don't really have to worry about the GM. I just have to make his his whole entire thing. It's like I need to work with you know with the uh, Trevor Lawrence, get his head right because I know Trevor Lawrence is freaking a one kind of guy, and they have weapons. They have weapons at the running back position. They have weapons at the wide receiver. They overpaid for Christian Kirk, but whatever, that's fine. You you have players, and in that division, you're able to make something happen. You don't know what's – I mean, the point is Peyton Manning threw, I don't know, how many interceptions he did as a rookie. In the second year, he made the playoffs. Why can't Trevor Lawrence do that? Why can't you do that? I mean, I brought up a, a, a mock draft here on CBSSports.com. Uh, Ryan Wilson did this seven hours ago, and he has Ikem Ikwanu, uh, the North Carolina State uh, tackle, which at the end of the day isn't shocking to me. He's the other guy they've been talking about for a while, other than Evan Neal, as – Guys, that would be, and, and if it's also the narrative, you drop, you brought up Trayvon Walker, Aiden Hutchinson, Evan Neal, and Iquanu. Those are the four people that they're talking about. Now, who are they going to take? I figure they're going to go edge in the defensive line to go and mate with Josh Allen so that they can get the single coverage on both of them to go and be able to get that pass rush. Like that with Ngakwe and that whole crew. I forgot the other guy, um, Calais Campbell, um, other people that you guys had. Yeah, Dante your, Fowler. Yeah, Dante Calais Fowler. Campbell. Yeah, you had you had a great defense. Um, the asshole that went to the L.A. Rams. I mean, there's. I mean, I can say Jalen Ramsey. LA Rams. Yeah, there's so many assholes that go to the L.A. Rams. It's unbelievable. Um, I mean, this draft, Aiden Hutchinson goes to Detroit, which is whatever. Evan Neal, Kayvon Thibodeau goes to the Jets. Sauce Gardner, Charles Cross, 
Um, the Mississippi State tackle goes to Carolina instead of Kenny Pickett, which is interesting. Trayvon Walker, uh, who you said would go number one. New York Giants get him and Sauce Gardner. Atlanta goes with a wide receiver, Garrett Wilson. Derek Stingley goes to Seattle, who's got no hope anyway. And Jamison Williams uh, goes to the Jets. That's the CBS guys' top 10. I mean, to be fair, going in mock drafting, it's funny how all these experts go in mock draft and they go and give their their um, what they call their um, thoughts and their pro- projections of what people are. And sometimes they're right. Most of the times they're wrong. So who knows? The draft is the, – the, the fact is most people don't know about most of these players. This year's draft is going to be interesting for multiple reasons. Um, it's great for TV, and I'm intrigued. Niners don't have any capital until late in the second round for now. Uh, they need a center. Alex Mack's gone. They need safety. Uh, they need safety help. Need back-end help. They need interior line, both on the defensive and offensive side, um, especially on the offensive line. Offensive line outside of um, the tackles right now is kind of an issue. So we've lost a lot of um, uh, depth there. Alex Max likely retiring. Guard spots, we lost uh, the one guard to the Jets. I'm forgetting his name. Uh, But we lost the one guard to the Jets. And then the other guard, the right side, has not been great. We're probably going to use Banks to get in at the right guard position. Next to McGlinchey. McGlinchey has not been exactly the most amazing player either. So we need to solidify our banks to be on the left side with Trent Williams. So then we need right guard. You need to get basically the whole right side. So are his Niners going to go and try to get up there for Lindenbaum uh, out of Iowa? One of the centers. Are they going to try to get somebody off free agency? Something to be seen. Um, We'll talk about it next week because it's really about Josh and his Jaguars and what they do because in the end they've had back-to-back number one picks and that doesn't really happen all that often and it doesn't speak to great things when it happens. You don't want to have that happen again. I mean, if, if it happens again, at least Trent Balky will be gone. Um, they're not going to fire Doug Peterson uh, but they'll Trent Balky will be gone, and maybe they'll have um, CM Punk be the GM or uh, Brian Danielson or I don't know. Um, I'm forgetting what the other guys are. Uh, John Moxley, MJF, Maxwell James Friedman, whatever his name is. They can just go and tell everybody that they're mid. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You should have John Moxley be your GM. It would be good because then Elizabeth. Or what, whatever the fuck her name is, would all of a sudden become a football fan. And then it would be hilarious, and she might bring a podcast back and then say she got canceled by random people. Um, the way that she said that I was supposed to take her to a NASCAR race. But that's beside the point. I mean, she's on OnlyFans, I think, so these days. So I don't know who wants to look at that. Um, 
<laughs> on that transition, I'm going to throw to you, Josh. Um, your sim game, your boy tried to flip over and he he, he won. And uh, Junebug is doing things in the whatever, uh, I forget what the ghost, whatever the hell that series was he was in. What are you doing here at preparing for Indy 500 since the Indy 500 is your month away getting to that? So what are you preparing for? How are you doing in regards to that? Yeah, uh, I mean, Dale, yeah, Dale Jr. was in the Moon Car League, uh, which I guess that was his first race uh, running in that series. It's a, a private league, I guess, on, I don't know, I don't know how you get into it, but seems like it's a lot of fun, at least for, you know, Talladega and some of these other things, and they've done some other things with that guy on Twitter, Moonhead, uh, has uh, created a lot of content. Actually, I think I've raced, like, in... So, back in 2020, this is a little tangent, back in 2020, like, when I first got onto iRacing, the, um, I don't know, the guys over at uh, Barstool were, like, advertising some uh, iRacing stuff online, and I think Moonhead was kind of a part of that. He was the one that was organizing the week the weeknight races or whatever, and I remember participating in a couple of those. So I think that may have been like the precursor to this thing, uh, Moon Car, Moon Head League, or whatever it's called. So uh, I remember doing that. But yeah, back to this. Um, yeah, that was pretty entertaining to watch, uh, you know, flipping like he's Bobby Allison, except he actually won the race. So uh, pretty entertaining. Of course, he got a bunch of internet guys just yelling over uh, into the broadcast and making it you know over the top and entertaining. So it's uh, always fun to watch. And then, I mean, for me, I I attempted Talladega as well. Um, it started out, you know, the uh, first race I did, I think it was like Thursday night or something, and uh, that was just Cup, uh, you know, the Cup cars at Talladega, and uh, lost the draft pretty early on, but. It was like the the main pack got away from us, and it was just like everybody else, like from like fifteenth on back, basically in our own, our own pack. And we were trying to maintain single file, uh, but we couldn't do anything with it. And then at the end, like we all just started going for it, and uh, I, I ended up getting crashed uh, on the last lap. So that was that. Then I did some Xfinity uh, racing, and then. Um, I like the Xfinity racing, I guess, better on the, the super speedways because um, at least um, I feel more comfortable bump drafting and tandem drafting than I do in the cup car. Uh, so I ran, you know, ran some of that, um, was able to use the middle. That's the, the way to go. But then uh, apparently, at, you know, some people figured out the top. And then there was one point where I was having cars coming by me on both sides and it was um, hard, starting to get hard to hold it straight, and I felt like I was starting to get a little loose and uh, got quite sketchy at sometimes. But uh, finishing the top ten in that, uh, then I did some more Cup racing and uh, more Xfinity racing, I guess too. And I think I finished top ten in both of those. So yeah, Talladega is uh, Talladega. You know, things happen um, throughout the race, and you got to make sure you avoid the wrecks and then survive the last lap. Um, you know, when thing all hell breaks loose. So. That's how you know Talladega was for me. Uh, I think I also did Mazda Miata at uh, Charlotte Road Course, which uh, it's a pretty easy series. But you know I like the Miatas and race there, and I think I won that race. So or I did win that race. So uh, yeah, it was uh, pretty good there. Um, I think this week um, uh, I'm gonna have to yeah do some start doing some of my own testing at Indianapolis just on offline just to, to get settled in for that and start you know 
figuring out like what to do for qualifying and all that stuff as it's always important for Indianapolis. So maybe I'll focus in on that. Uh, as far as like the, uh, official series goes, probably do some 87s at Texas. Cause that's what's available right now. And, and at least, uh, you know, practice, um, it, it's the old Texas, not the new one. So at least there'll be some tire wear. So, you know, rough track and a car, with bias ply tires that uh, you, know, you have to really manage the the tires uh, should be interesting to uh, race on. Uh, then probably maybe some Honda Civic uh, Type R at the uh, Laguna Seca Mazda Raceway Laguna Seca so or WeatherTech Raceway uh, Laguna Seca as it's known now. So definitely do that. Um, of course, when I am online, I try to uh, stream it as always on my Twitch and you know, you can watch or see the replay on there, which of course I did stream a little bit of Talladega, uh, which I posted on Saturday night. So if you want to see the replay from that and see the result from that, you can go on my Twitch and uh, look at that. Yeah. Let us know your handles. Since yeah. We're, yeah. We're recording this. So you have, um, of course you can follow me, uh, on Twitch at, uh, UCLR2, go there and watch my streams. Uh, then you can, of course, go uh, on my Twitter and follow me at JP Huffine and see all my stuff there as well. And then, uh, of course, we got this new deal now, the YouTube channel, which you can go and watch us uh, on this recording right now, what we're saying, uh, the video feed. You can watch that uh, Grip Strip podcast, just uh search that up on youtube and you can see the past five episodes uh that are on there got some views on there and you know we're continuing to try to grow this thing and of course be on the lookout uh for you know this video and then any other future content that we do on there uh so um you know you can go on there like the video comment the video and subscribe and you know please you know, put on post notifications so you know when we post those uh, videos and you can go and catch up on the podcast uh, in video format if you so choose to do so. So, yeah, that's where you can follow me and then, you know, follow us as part of the, the video feed. And follow me at Philip G. Matthew on Twitter, uh, Philip, or what is it, Gripster Pod on Twitter. Josh has been doing a great job um, posting content, posting our YouTube page where you get to watch us uh, doing the show uh, uncut. You can go and follow the show, Pod, of course, and then philipgmatthew.com, where the show will appear uh, in audio form. We're on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, um, what's it called? Spotify, Podbean, Pandora. We're also on, yeah, Apple Podbean, Pandora. And then iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Basically, anywhere you can get a podcast, you can hear the Gripster podcast. Some of the ones that uh, British European folks are on, I need to probably look at too. Um, we're around. We're here. We do this podcast. It's a long-form podcast. We do it for a reason because we can get to cover everything. Um, Josh uh, does you do your thing, and I appreciate you. Um, because you're able to go and carry things and also back me up. We do a great job here. We have fun. It's a passion project because we're working. We're trying to do our thing, but we love racing. And um, we appreciate everybody that downloads the show. We appreciate it. Go and give us a like. Give us a subscribe. Go and hit us up. Go and, go and send us a message. Tell us what you want to hear because 
we're we're here. We're just doing our thing. We want to go and build this. We want to make it better. We're trying to bring big guests. We're trying to bring legends on this show. The fact is, we can do that. Um, I think I think Josh could go and talk Junior into it. Uh, but I'm talking to certain legends at that same level too that have been I've been fans of. I've been a fan of my whole life. And the reality is we could do that, but we need to know that people want to listen because if people want to listen, they'll show up because they can get to move their brands and do all that. Um, Other than that, we're going to be back for episode 112. We'll go over Dover. We'll go over Baba. We'll go over all the other motorsports. We'll go over the NFL draft. Josh is going to have a lot to talk about in regards to that because his team Needs to hit on a bunch of picks. And his GM is not exactly known for doing all that. Um, Niners may trade a wide receiver slash running back. Probably won't. But they have some holes to fill too. We'll talk all about that on episode 112 of the Grift Strip Podcast. Uh, we thank you for tuning in. Uh, for Josh, I'm Phil. You want to go and hit us up, hit us up on the socials. Let us know what you want to hear. Let us know if you want to be on because, hey, it's it's a freeform deal here. Having fun. Uh, we thank you for listening. Uh, we thank you for uh, giving us the time. And uh, we'll see you next time. Take care.